Hello, everybody. Welcome. My name is Brandon. And unfortunately, no, this is not a new episode of the Say Something Nice podcast because, well, you guys can't see it over the radio, but um, I just moved and my apartment is still full of boxes. And inside of uh, four or five of those boxes is all the recording stuff. As a matter of fact, I have stolen Ali's microphone from his house. Don't tell him I stole it um, so that I could uh, do uh, some of the guest spots I do, for example, with Moji when we recall, reviewed Riverdale, the season finale of Riverdale, um, which I had to watch like online because I couldn't watch it on TV because my TV is in a box, too. Um, but yeah, so I am under process of trying to unpack all of my stuff and get my studio set back up so that I can do podcasting full time again, because at this point I do indeed really miss it. So much has happened since we've had a full new episode of our show. Um, Bill Cosby has gone to jail. Well, I think we covered that while we were reviewing Infinity War. Uh, Diane Nelson is gone from D.C. Uh, Jeff Johns is gone from D.C. He's back to writing comic books and movies and things again. He's writing a new Shazam movie. I mean, not movie, uh, a comic book. Uh we still don't have an Aquaman trailer. Um, I mean, so much has happened and I would love to talk about, but I'm not going to do that without the fellas here. Um, and it's funny, ironically speaking of moving, Ali is moving. Uh, and then Kareem is actually is moving away. So hopefully we can get with him before he actually moves away, um, like overseas and stuff. Uh, but yes, so in the interim... I do have a best of episode for you. Uh, this is the episode. I don't remember the number because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but this is from January 2017. Uh, this is uh, us and Nick and Reg from the Great What's the Tea podcast. Shout out to them. Uh, we discuss Dream Girls, the Broadway play, the movie, and I think at the time we recorded this, no, the uh, the um the West End version. I think they had just started tryout something like that over in London. I don't remember if they were selling tickets yet. Um, you know, of course, since then uh, they have opened, and you know Amber Riley killed um killed it for a good long while. Now they have you know a new cast over there. I don't know if you guys have heard the London cast album, but um, as you can imagine, from me being me, um, it's got a lot of play in my um, house, in my car, and stuff. Um, it's really good. Um, they rewrote Listen once again. They rewrote that that second act uh, opening once again. Um, wouldn't be Dream Girls without a new second opening act every time that they restage it. Um, but yeah, I enjoy it otherwise. But yeah, so this episode comes from then. Um, this episode was a lot of fun, a lot of um, musical interludes, a lot of personal stories, um, all that kind of great stuff. So, yeah, so uh, please enjoy this and um, hopefully sooner or later, like a week or two more, I promise, because um, we do have to review Incredibles. Oh, gosh, I have not seen Deadpool yet. Deadpool 2. I have not seen a solo a Star Wars story yet. Um some of you crazy people are trying to run Kathleen Kennedy out of Lucasfilm because you say she don't know how to produce movies. Um, anybody who says that, I need for them to go to the IMD and to be, actually just go to Wikipedia and read the first three sentences of Kathleen Kennedy's biography. She's made She's been making hit movies since before roughly half the people listening to this were born. 
Like, this is the thing she does. Um, I understand the Star Wars faithful doesn't like The Last Jedi and doesn't like, well, some of them don't like The Last Jedi. Some of them don't, don't like Solo, but I don't know. They're being super problematic about it. They want to bring in, of course, you know, some random, uh, not a random, but the dude, of course, has to be a dude who runs the Clone Wars because it's like the only thing I can think about is story. Like Kathleen Kennedy's run writing the scripts herself. They have a whole story department at Lucasfilm. Um, if you um, get rid of her, you, the story department will still be there. Just so you know. Um, but yeah, so that has nothing to do with Dream Girls. But yeah, so please go ahead and enjoy Dream Girls. We will be back to you as soon as I can find my um, unpacking knife and get back to getting rid of some of that. <laughs> yeah, we'll holler at y'all later. Have a great uh, Father's Day. Um, have a great June. It's my birthday month, my sister's birthday month. Um, it's lit. <laughs> we will see you guys later. All right, peace. Why is it every time I bring up my favorite movie or song, y'all call my shit corny? You act like I don't have no taste and no flavor. I'm a Luddite or some bullshit like that. What kind of particular shit is that? It's the shit I like. That's what I like. That's my type of shit. You know, why don't you know y'all just say something nice? Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Brandon. Hey, this is Kareem. This is John. And I guess this is Ken. This is Ali. And this is the Say Something Nice podcast. And we have a special guest with us from the What's the Tea podcast. We have Nick Jew. Hi. What's up, Internet? All right. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, Reggie will be here also for West Tea Podcast. He'll be here in a little bit. Um, I think um, Curtis is trying to not let him leave. No. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You you can never go now. (laughs) So (laughs) speaking of Curtis, we're here to talk about um, just this past December was the 35th anniversary of Dreamgirls, the Broadway musical, and the 10th anniversary of Dreamgirls, the film version of said musical. And so... Being as, if you guys remember, like, during the first year of the show, there was not an episode that happened where me or John did not make some reference to Dreamgirls. Um, just the first year? I don't it know. was just the first year. We, we worked our way out of it eventually. I don't know if you noticed or not, but we did. <laughs> uh, I thought it would be good and fun for us to discuss the, um, the musical and the movie in general and sort of kind of everything, like, how it sort of kind of ties into Black culture, the people who came out of the musical, and, you know, essentially why Diana Ross um, and Shirley Ralph don't like each other for that reason. Uh, <laughs> just to start with sort of the masterpiece theater summary of what Dreamgirls is, uh, basically, Dreamgirls is a musical about a three-woman singing group in the 1960s, Dina Jones, Laurel Robinson and Effie White, who come up from the from being teenagers in Chicago and get discovered by a music manager named Curtis Taylor Jr., who puts them at first as the backup for a popular within the Black community, but hasn't really crossed over yet, R&B singer named James Thunder Early, 
And then later on, with the help of Effie's younger brother, Cece, who is the songwriter, creates a act for them as The Dreams, where they become world famous. But as The Dreams, Effie, who is the original lead singer, gets replaced by Dina because Dina, Dina is skinnier and she's more visually appealing, supposedly, to the white audience. And her voice also is lighter than Effie, who has a gospel belt so that they can cross over to the pop charts. This plus Effie's accusations that Dina is uh, cheating, um, Curtis is cheating with Dina, rather, lead Effie to be um, in, um, incorrigible. You know, uh, she's late, she's mean, and she ends up getting fired by Curtis and left sort of kind of to um, go back to Chicago and suffer in squalor. That's the end of Act 1. But Act 2 is basically about what happens after that. How the dreams have become world famous now, five years later, is now the early 70s. And what happens to Effie and to Curtis and to Dina and to Laurel, who ends up um, dating Jimmy Early and becomes his mistress because he's married. And to Cece and to Michelle Morris, who becomes the um, woman who ends up replacing Effie in the dreams. Now, if this sounds like the Motown story, that's because it sort of kind of is. Uh, Dreamgirls has been described as a romanoclef of the story of the Supremes in Motown. The Supremes, of course, Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and Florence Ballard came up from the mean streets of Detroit and were discovered by music manager and record label um, executive and producer Barry Gordy Jr., and paired with the songwriter and songwriting team, Smokey Robinson and Holland Dozier in Holland, and became world famous until Florence Ballard, buoyed by the fact that Barry Gordy didn't like her, that Diana Ross was made a permanent and only lead singer because she had a, a appealing look to white audience and a voice that appeals to white audience. Florence Ballard was late and mean and incorrigible, ended up getting fired by Barry Gordy. I almost said Effie White. Um, basically in Las Vegas, the same way that Effie White does in this musical. The difference, of course, in the musical has a different ending in real life. Florence Bowden in real life died at the age of 32, you know, in um, still living in Detroit. You know, she never was able to resume her fame and her career. I wanted to go around the room, and y'all can be honest, because I know at least two of y'all don't really care for Dream Girls in any form or fashion. So be honest. Um, and just ask everybody where they first encountered any part of Dream Girls, the music, the stage show, or the movie, what they thought of it, and everything like that. So we'll start with the guest, um, Nick Ju. Uh, yeah. Hi. Thanks for having me. Um, I am a theater kid, so I don't know if I could pinpoint the moment that I encountered Dream Girls, but I definitely, obviously, didn't see it live, but. Jennifer Holiday's um, performance of "And I Am Telling You" on the Tony Awards is like one of the seminal moments of my life. So yeah. All right, and um, and what about the movie and everything as well? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> I have many opinions about the movie. I appreciate a forum where in which I can voice my myriad opinions about the movie. Um, I saw it. <laughs> oh, wow. You're one of the first people I've heard maybe just a not fully positive review of the movie. Oh, really? <laughs> Who are these people? 
people. John, uh, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You, you, um, hers will be first, but you'll hear more. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Please. Yeah, no. Um, and then someone purchased it for me because they thought that was a thing. No, that was like when somebody bought me a copy of uh, Across the Universe because I like the Beatles. I'm like, no. <laughs> oh. it, I, you know, it's uh, I rewatched it today and I had some differing opinions than I've had in a while. Some of them are shocking to even me. <laughs> some of them remain steadfast. <laughs> you remain steadfast in your belief. Wow. All right. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'll go to Ali next. Ali literally just saw the movie for the first time last week. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I saw Dream Girls literally, what, would, I, would I say a week ago? Yeah, it was a week ago. Maybe. A week yeah. ago. A week ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm such a I'm such an uncle right now. No, I'm sorry. This is gonna be a rough ride for uh, Ken and Kareem. <laughs> Mixed company. Uh, <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So um, yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was uh, good. Um, I'm not. Uh, I would not describe myself as uh, someone who is particularly fond of musicals. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah, I thought this one was was good. I I, I mostly like the um the comedic elements um of the movie wherever it showed up. Um and um mm, Anything else? Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, the more interesting parts were to, to honestly, was was just picking Brandon's brain about all the the, the details of the what was happening in the uh, behind the scenes. Yeah, because also because the movie is basically like it's like a blind item uh, cavalcade of Motown trivia. Right, and then, and then basically. Just um, <laughs> you know, amongst many of my questions was so who can actually sing here, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that turned into and that turned into a um, at least an hour long explanation of vocals and musicals in general. So yeah, yeah that was my experience of it, it could have been worse. They could have uh, left in the um, "Effie Sing My Song" part with Keith Robinson struggling. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Reggie. Hi. You really tried to sing that. <laughs> All right. I'm really regretting the fact that my internet uh connection is dropping in and out right now, so I missed that entire thing. But uh Keith Robinson terrible. <laughs> Listen, Keith Robinson from Augusta, Georgia. We'll he will show at least a little bit of respect. Oh, that's right. You guys can't sing down there. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> or was that the other part of town that can sing? James Brown's town part of town can sing. Yeah, I thought he was a precious seed. <laughs> um, just dropped in um also Reggie from What's the Tea Podcast. Hey everybody. Right in the middle of that, um, Keith Robinson. Um, Hi, Reggie. All right. Uh, it was Bill Condon that shaded Keith Robinson, not me. All right. So, John, t- 
tell us where you first encountered Dream Girls and what you thought of the musical and of the movie. Because you've seen both, I'm assuming, right? John? Did you drop it? Um, oh, there you go. Uh, it was choppy. Okay. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk quickly. Um, <clears throat> well, I was friends with Brandon before I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> so I heard. So I so I heard a lot about it. I <laughs> uh, went to go see it on Christmas. My father, my two sisters, and myself. They refused. Two of my my dad and my sister refused to go. They went to go see that uh, Aragon Dragon movie instead. And so it was me and my sister, and uh, it was good. I liked it a lot. Uh, Brandon, like Ali, he gave me a lot of context on it. <laughs> All right. I liked it like I do now. However, it, it hasn't particularly aged well in spots. Um, I still think the movie would have been way better without Beyonce for multiple reasons, um, which are not confined to the um, use of listen instead of ain't no party. Um, still bitter about that. Uh, I thought the rest of the casting on the whole was good. I think it's probably one of the best cast aside from her movies of the 2000s. Um, not quite as good as Hairspray and Chicago. But it's definitely about uh, at least a uh, like third place movie. But it's good. All right. Okay. Um, next up, uh, Ken. Okay. My first experience with Dreamgirls is um, actually an episode of The Fresh Prince. <laughs> where sing, uh, where um, Will sings um, the um, I'm Not Going. That's the name of the song, correct, Brandon? And I'm telling you I'm not going. And I'm telling you I'm not going. Can't mess up the title of the song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Let me get it straight. Um, he sings a song to Uncle Phil telling him, you're not going to kick me out of this house. It was a closer to the um, show. So that was my first experience. I didn't know where the song was from. I just thought it was an awesome comedic scene. Uh, well over the top as usual, maybe a bit too over the top. Um, <laughs> well, that fits in with the Effie White character and Jennifer Hudson in particular. Yeah. Speaking of which... Um, to this day, uh, Effie White's character, like, I couldn't concentrate on her singing for all the sweat on the top of her lip. <laughs> okay, so you said that, and then I, a while ago, and then I rewatched it, and now that's all I can see. That in her struggle flats. Why doesn't she have heels on there? What, she has no kitten heels? No, no, oh she has God. flats on. I mean, flat. I think that's supposed to fit into the character, probably more about how she really wasn't, like, made to be a star. You know, stars. Oh no! It, oh no! It is a wardrobe malfunction on the highest order. <laughs> that is as bad as what they did to our first lady at the RNC. I mean, it was they put her up on stage and straight embarrassed her during the biggest song in musical history. It just bad. Yeah. John, next time you watch it, look at those flats. John, you know, it'll be like oh my soul. struggle. I don't struggle flats. You know what? I'm not probably gonna. Be, I won't think I'll watch it for the struggle flats. <laughs> but um, so I think I, with you cannot see it once you know about it. I I I'm gonna, I'm, I don't know which is gonna be worse, the sweaty lip or the struggle flat. I don't need, I don't need either one in my life. So. And, and no, that makes There's her role in Empire look even better by comparison. Let me tell you. Wow. There's something much worse than the sweaty lip and the struggle flats. What I mean overall. <laughs> oh, no, let me stop. So I think I, I can't remember, but I think I saw this movie on a date where I was quickly friend zoned afterward. <laughs> rightfully so. Well, that was just a bad <laughs> evening all around then. <laughs> no, nah, let me I'm stop joking. This film wasn't bad. I think it's uh, I don't it's nothing I need to hurry up and watch again. 
Um, it, you know, I just see it occasionally at people's houses when they play it randomly because they see they see it at least twenty five times a year. That was shade against me, oh, ladies and gentlemen. That was shade oh, well, against I was gonna, me. I was, about to, I, was about to jump, I was about to jump in there. Yeah, I mean, I only saw it like three times in the theater, just so everyone knows. Yeah, I mean, it's a decent movie uh, to me. It's n- I haven't seen the stage play, so I don't have that experience or that knowledge, and I haven't read it. I haven't looked up any information on it. So the most I the most I know about the stage play is that back in the day when Loretta Devine was playing the character, she was fine as hell. Uh, she, I'm like I didn't know Loretta Devine had a body back then. Uh, I, she did. I was I'm used to matronly Loretta Devine. Or um, uh, you're gonna need a plan C, Loretta Devine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> plan C. <laughs> Leafy green, Loretta Devine. Right. That's my dress. Okay. <laughs> okay about that. All right. Um, um, Reggie. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, as we were going around asking what everybody's first experience was with Dreamgirls and what they thought of the musical and the movie. Um, I don't, I don't know my first experience, but I definitely remember. Oh, no, no, no. I was in high school on a very chaste date um <laughs> and this dinner theater in my neighborhood was doing a production like a touring production of dream girls and i knew the music but seeing it for the first time it was kind of amazing um and then i saw the movie in college and it all went downhill <laughs> Yeah, you and Nick Jew do not like this movie at all. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. It, it was good. It was good. I, and I, like... Was it good? Was it good? In the moment? I think, I think I'm yeah. noticing a generational divide on this topic. Well, I, I don't no, no. think it's that. I moment, think it's experience. No, no. In the moment, it was great. And I, like, got dressed up nice in my Sunday kindas. And paid $25 for, like, a fancy ticket and, like, a lithograph and shit. You know who here would have been all over that? <laughs> Brandon. So I bought the lithograph on eBay after. See? <laughs> uh, yeah, I was about to say that. Brandon, Brandon was charting the course of Dream Girls. From inception of the movie. Pre-production. Pre, yeah. Pre-production. Wait, wait. I'm like, it, it was just like for a straight six months, every time I talked to Brandon, it was something about Dreamgirls. <laughs> something new about Dreamgirls. I wish I could go to the road show. Oh, I've, I'm looking at the program booklet online. It hasn't been released yet. It hasn't even been written, but I have a copy. <laughs> That's okay, Brandon. I'm not mad at you. Me too. That's why I was so disappointed with the product. <laughs> well, you know, you know, um, Brandon actually got to a pre-screening of it. Um, I'll tell that I don't story. Think we can t- I, don't, I don't think we can tell the story of what you did to get those tickets on the air, though. Oh, Lord. The, 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 I'm going to get you. <laughs> I mean, it's almost noodles and beef fish. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just... <laughs> Ali's eyes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's not. John is trolling. I'll tell the story when it's my turn. I'll maybe let Reggie finish, though. <laughs> um, and since then, I've seen it on stage two other times. Including um, on Broadway with Cynthia Erivo. That's color purple. Oh. <laughs> 
I've had drinks. I was like, um, <laughs> shit, you needed what? them for this discussion. Yes, <laughs> uh, trust me. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's a, it's a great musical, and Michael Bennett, you know, left a stamp on musical theater that will never be erased, no matter how bad Bill Condon's movie was. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. Oh Lord! All right. Um. Uh, Kareem, yo, yo. So, Dreamgirls. Um, it's kind of one of those type things. Being raised like you know in a house full of sisters in the deep south, man. Like sisters or sisters? I, but like I'm, I'm black and I got eight sisters. So John, don't get any ideas. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, man. Like uh, you know, growing up in the, also growing up in the church in Savannah, Georgia, man. I swear, um, I am telling you, has been butchered in so many talent competitions. <laughs> um, yeah, it, that's been just murdered. I think I saw the play the first time on some version of it. Came to Savannah for a tour, um, like in the sometime in the eighties, I think, um, very early in life. Um, my sisters had the soundtrack, obviously, right? Um, and I saw the film. Actually, I went to Atlantic Station and just hung out on opening day just to enjoy the shenanigans. <laughs> um, <laughs> me and my boy sat at California Pizza Kitchen watching all the go by and just like, like, yo, people are really G'd up for Dreamgirls. Um, eventually, I went and saw the film, I, I want to say like the second week. And um, it was okay, you know? You know what? Yeah, it's Dreamgirls. You know what I mean? I think because I'd seen the play some, seen the play a couple of times, and I kind of feel like I know it inside and out. And I was never really a huge fan of it. Uh, you know, it was, I could take it or leave it. It wasn't. I mean, also keep in mind, I hate musicals. There's like <laughs> seven musicals I like, so it's better than The Sound of Music. But <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait! Dreamgirls doesn't have Nazis in. Kinda. I mean, it kind of does. <laughs> Cadillac car wow. bitches. <laughs> yeah, those white people that stole Cadillac car. I mean, stepping to the bad side was totally uh, a, a march for the third right. So. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a march for us, damn it. That, that, that was a march for us, not for them. Sorry, John. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, so it was my turn, I guess. Um, so, First time I heard about Dream Girls was in Mary Wilson's autobiography, which is called Dream Girl. Yeah. I like that's a supreme. <laughs> because Mary Wilson is not shit and she don't give a shit. She said, I'm naming this book after this show that I know that Diana Ross hates. <laughs> petty. Petty. Petty, petty. Oh, got so petty on me. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, she can call her book that if Diana Ross could call her book Hot Pocket. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> so I was like, so there's a musical about Motown? I want to see this eventually. And so when the movie came, when the movie was being developed, I heard about it like early, like when they announced it. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. They're going to make it. Then I heard Beyonce was cast. I was like, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Carbon the hip hop or looming large in your head. Yeah, I was like, well, maybe, the, you know, she got time. She's going to be training and everything. I was like, so she's. Hmm. I, was like, hmm. I was like, which part she playing? Cause first they said she was gonna play Effie, and I was like, what's well, she gonna There's gain all no that weight? Fucking way. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you have the same reaction that people had when they were doing the the new uh, film version of Les Mis and they cast Hugh Jackman in the role and they're like, oh God. Yeah. And then I heard she was playing uh, Dina and I laughed for a day straight. Because she Beyonce is nobody if she's not Dina Jones. Like in real life. Nobody. <laughs> well, and she's I think she's still mad she didn't get the role of Effie though. <laughs> um, we'll talk about why how she got her part in a little bit, but basically. I um, was on the IMDb message board for this movie before it came out. And uh-huh. um, um, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to tell the story. Um, uh, I mean, you he, was street teaming for this. I was not street teaming. Hush. You, you damn near, Brandon. Like, you were internet street teaming. I guess, okay, I was in, yes, I was internet street teaming. He, he was knocking up to kids like, hey, hey, kids. No. Oh, wow. No, I was not. But what did all happen those, was... All, all, those, all those Shazam comics. No. No. <laughs> Welcome back, Sean. That's my purse. <laughs> Welcome back, John. It's just so glad to have you back. Um, Living your truth, Brandon. Fine. <laughs> so I was actually, I got an invitation um, from um, Bill Conn, his partner, Jack Morrissey, was doing like promotion for under the IMD message boards. And he was inv- I, I, giving out invites I, I, to like the, the press screenings. And so I got one from me and from my, one from my friend, Angela. We saw the movie in, I think it was November, early November. You um, told me you got that off Adam for Adam. Oh my God! <laughs> Have you been drinking too? <laughs> this is not sober. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> he said you got that off Adam for Adam. I don't even know what that is. But Good. Do not Google it, Kareem. Never. Google it. Darling, y'all be getting cookies from noodles and beef. Uh, that, that's where snowballing came from, Kareem. Oh, no, that's not where snowballing came from. Snowballing came... Well, never mind. All right. All right. Let, let, me, let me get the story out. Let me get the story out. So... Bring it back, guys. Bring it back. Yeah. So I saw the movie. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, um... For some reason, they, they ran it in mono only. We didn't have stereo. So I ended up going to see it over my family on Christmas Day in, in Augusta, which full theater. Very crowded. And um, we had a good time. People in Augusta acted a fool when um, when uh, Effie um, got up there and sang, and I'm telling you, they acted a bigger fool when um, uh, Eddie Murphy did Jimmy's Rap because that oh was the same God. day, if you recall, James Brown died the same day Dreamgirls oh, opened in theaters. Christmas. Yeah. Christmas of 06. So they lost. They, 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 they were more here for that anywhere. I mean, they were here for, for um, Jennifer Hudson singing, uh, and I'm telling you, but when he got up there and said, they fell. Out. <laughs> you couldn't hear the rest of the song. People were screaming. They were hollering. They were running in the aisles and shit. <laughs> um, and so I ended up, as we've discussed on the show before, I saw the movie seven times in the theater. <laughs> My seven God. times? Seven times. That we know. That you're willing to admit. No, it was exactly, it's yeah. exactly seven. I, I don't believe you, but okay. It, <laughs> he was like, John, I have to see it seven times because that's a number of perfection. I'm like, let it go. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed the movie. I mean, there are things wrong with it, big things wrong with it. But as far as like the art, the art direction and the sound design of the movie for me, like, were incredible. Like a movie with that many black people in it that looked that wonderful. I was just like, I was like, this is amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, just uh, aside from Beyonce, it's pretty good. Right? <laughs> uh uh-uh. uh. You've been waiting to let that one go, huh, Nick? <laughs> okay, okay and, and Keith Robinson. But, you know. But yeah. No, I have several in the clip. Most of the time, he's just at a piano miming, so it's fine. Uh-huh. All right. All right. You're going to wake up tomorrow morning and your credit score is going to be 119 points. <laughs> We're going to find that nobody's there. <laughs> you're not Smokey Robinson, dude. Calm down. All right, so. All right, so we're going to talk about um, the, the things you're So before, let's put a disclaimer before we go on. If you are a Beyonce fan, um, we are which, going to... We, which I am. Which she which is. She is. She's absolutely a Beyonce fan. We're going to speak the truth in this episode going forward about Wait, Beyonce if, and if we're speaking, if we're, if we're speaking the truth, she's destined for a Mariah Carey-like meltdown at some point in the future. <laughs> I, I don't see that happening. She's, she, she's too put together, but we talk about... Right. You might want to, like, hold back. Yeah. Yeah, you you add 115. We need you at like an 80. Bring it back down. Bring it back I'll, down. I'll see. I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yes, thank you. All right. So, um, so let's talk a little bit first about how the musical came about, more or less. It started with three people: the musician Henry Krieger, the lyricist Tom Iron, who was a guy who's writing these like avant-garde off-Broadway plays, like the dirtiest musical in town, things like that, and Nell Carter who appeared in the dirtiest musical in town um, for Tom Ian. And so they're like, they like Nell Carter so much, they wanted to write a musical for her. And so they started what they called Project Number no. 9. And they cast Nell Carter as Effie. They uh, went and found Shirley Ralph and Loretta Devine to play um, her friends um, Nina and Lola, not Laurel yet. And they were three roommates who were backup singers who formed a group and became famous. It all took place in the present day there was very little, if any, allusions to Motown or anything like that at the time. And um, even though Neil Carter, I think she liked the material, um, she got booked to do Ryan's Hope <laughs> mm. um, in 1978. And so she said, well, can you guys hold it for me? I'll be back. So she went and did Ryan's Hope. Next year, 79, she said, oh, I got, give me a break. Um, sorry, y'all, I can't do this no more. <laughs> I'm going to be on television. <laughs> So they just saw Michael Bennett came to Tom Ian and Henry Krager and was like, I want to produce, but not direct. You can direct it, but I want to produce this musical. And so that's when they hired um, Jennifer Holliday. They found her. She came from Houston, Texas. She had been in Yo Arms Too Short to Boss with God. <laughs> the stage play. The stage play. <laughs> and um, they found um, Ben Harney, who ended up playing Curtis Taylor Jr. and Cleavon Derricks, who played um, Jimmy Early, and Oba Babatunde, and, uh, who played Cece and Bonnie Curtis Hall who played Marty. And apparently Jennifer Holliday um, fought a lot with Michael Bennett, like a lot, a lot. And so she ended up being either quit or fired. Everybody debates which one is the well, truth. Apparently. Well, Michael Bennett wasn't trying to hear her shit because only a few years earlier, 78, uh, Chorus Line came out then. And that was this huge thing. I mean, you know, so he wasn't just nobody. Right. Yeah. And so they ended up hiring Jennifer Lewis to replace Jennifer um, Holiday. Yes, that Jennifer Lewis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With one end, please. Yes. <laughs> With one end. And when I was talking about those, I made sure I put one end. So it's Jennifer, two ends, Holiday. Jennifer, one end, Lewis. <laughs> which which yeah. makes the uh, opening credits to Sister Act even better in retrospect. <laughs> yeah. And so they did two more workshops with Jennifer Lewis, but Michael Bennett still preferred Holiday, so he went and apologized and brought her back. But she found out that while she was gone, they had wrote Effie's part way down and killed her off at the end of the first act. Like, she sunk, and I'm telling you, and then 
gone, dead. Yep. <laughs> and so Jennifer Holiday quit again. <laughs> and so Michael Bennett went and, um, after he got funding from David Geffen and some other people, the Schubert Organization and think ABC as well. He offered to have Tom Iron rewrite the part back up. They added I Am Changing and everything and wrote basically what you see in the musical today. It um, went on Broadway on December 20th, 1981. Um, if, if you have ever had anybody slide you off of a truck, the recording of the um, <laughs> opening night, people lost their minds when Jennifer Holliday sung, and I'm telling you for the first time, they literally lost their minds. Like, it turned to church service, like, halfway through her performance. People, sang it! You know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, not in the, the, in the, in the, in the Imperial Theater in, gow- in gowns and expensive tuxedos and shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it became like a big um, Broadway hit. It ran for four, three years, because it's late 81. It, it ran until 85. And they started a um, U.S. tour in 83, for which Jennifer Holliday decided she, you know, she rightfully decided she was going to ask for, ask for a raise, which she did not get. So they replaced her. They got Lilius White to play Effie yeah. on the tour. <laughs> yeah. And they also brought her back to Broadway briefly in 87 um, for a couple of months. And so what I want to do now is sort of kind of list off the, the numerous people Connected the Dream Girls, who are now famous for other things, more famous for other things. So we've already mentioned Loretta Devine, uh-huh. Jennifer Holiday. Gen- what well, Jennifer Holiday is probably not famous for anything, but um, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Jennifer Lewis. Is. She's famous for Dream Girls and being cantankerous. That's <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Lewis, um, Nell Carter, um, Shirley Ralph, who of course you know played mm-hmm. the um, stepmom of Moesha. Moesha's really what we're going with next? Yeah, I'm like, to I'm like, she, Moesha? Well, I mean, if you think... It's a living. It's, <laughs> to our generation, we probably know her more for that than we do Dreamgirls. Wait, uh, wait, hold on a second. I gotta save this woman and go to her IMDb page. Yeah, Cheryl Lee Ralph has done more than Moesha. Yeah, she's done way more. I'm just saying that's one. That's the thing I know her for as, as a child of the 90s. And I, and I, I know her well, as a living because I'm a little older. Well, well that's her... She's from that, the soap operas, right? Yeah, well, that's her biggest credit IMDb. That's sad. Um, can we at least associate her with Oliver and Company? Can, can you? Can wow. You, <laughs> or, or better yet, even Smash. Come on. I mean, how many I, episodes was he on Smash? Like three. one, but that's still better than everything Uh-oh. she did on Moesha. Stop it. <laughs> Let's just say Cheryl Lee Ralph, beloved colored actress. Oh my God. <laughs> mix, mix, mix Company. <laughs> So should we also say Cleavon Derrick's beloved colored actor? Because I was going to say um, Thea for him. Mm-hmm. What? He was on Thea. How long was Thea on the air? It was one season, oh, but oh, that's oh, where yeah. I know him from. Well, I, well, Brandon, we need to know these people from something Okay, else. she was Lauren Hill's mom in Sister Act 2. Come on. Okay. She totally was. <laughs> Ooh, that's ironic as shit because we'll talk about it, but... Um, <laughs> uh, give I, th- I, thought, I thought you'd enjoy that. Yes, I, w- I do, actually. Um, Bondi Curtis Hall, you know, he's Angela Bassett's husband. He's an actor and filmmaker in his own right now. No, 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 no. You're thinking of... Uh, Courtney B. Vance. Courtney B. Vance, my bad. Who's Bondi Curtis Hall married to? He's married to somebody famous, isn't he? Or did I, did I taint that? My bad. I'm sorry if I taint that. My bad. I don't know why I got that wrong. Um, Obobaba Tunde, he's been in everything. He's, like, been an act, like, steadily working since he left that show. Um, he... I know him most for playing Barry Gordy in the um, the Temptations miniseries. 
Someone's here to see you, Otis. Yeah, that one. Uh, <laughs> I need Dave, another. Yep. David Allen Greer played Jimmy Early on Broadway. Really? Yes, he did. Not in the original. He replaced Cleavon Derricks. I enjoy his Broadway career. He was really good in Porgy and Bess. Yeah. He was great in Porgy and Bess. Yeah, um, Henson Battle, who's been in a lot of stuff, he also choreographed Ottawa, and he's also in the movie version of Dreamgirls. He also replaced um, as Jimmy Early as well. His face is just so unfortunate, though. Jesus Christ, Jonathan. Well, that's why he does theater. (laughs) Um, Excuse me? You need a few few rows of space. I do theater. What are you talking about? (laughs) I was like... Wait a minute. And a podcast. So, that tells you what to think about. I mean, my camera's off right now, so I can't talk. <laughs> Lord. Uh, Vanessa Bell Calloway was in the ensemble on Broadway. Yes. Um, Felicia Rashad was wait, in the wait, ensemble. Wait, 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 what do we know yep. Vanessa Bell Calloway from? She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, Jackie in I, um, What's Love Got to Do With It. Beloved okay. colored actress. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the girl coming to America. She's coming to America. She's a hop on one leg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we have a different point of reference for those of us who didn't enjoy that movie? <gasps> I have to go. <laughs> I'm not feeling well. Well, that's why they kicked me off the show for a month and a half. They're Brandon put me in timeout. Rightfully so. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't see how you did not like coming to America. Like, I mean, it's okay. It's just no trading places or the golden child. Well, I mean, you don't bring or other movies into this to say that golden child. Yeah, nothing is the golden child. Yeah, just compared to his body of work in the eighties, I'm just no. saying. it's okay. I know. I know how you had you had to keep qualifying it compared to his body of work in the eighties. I like, sure did. <laughs> says the man that likes sucker punch. Anyway, yes, I do. <laughs> Here we go Are again. Mention the Queen, Audra McDonald. Oh, I was I was doing people who had done the original show. I was going to mention because uh, I'm going to play some clips. We're going to be playing clips from the um the concert because uh, that's the first like that was my first introduction to the stage. Like I saw, I've seen the show, but I've listened to that concert for like 15 years before I ever saw the show. Oh wow! Right? Oh, oh yeah, Audra McDonald's amazing. Yeah, and I just wanted to really mention right quick that Felicia Rashad, she was um, Shirley Ralph's understudy. Yeah. And she was, she thought she was going to get that part when Shirley Ralph, Ralph left, but she didn't. They hired, uh, what's her name? Um, Linda Brown? Who, yeah. What's her name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's why she quit. And of course, you know, she went on to do other things. Um, just a couple of other things. Just a couple of other uh, things. I, are we able to mention them again or are they still in mortor- moratorium? No, we can mention them events? again, even though the guy who did them is on trial, but you know. I mean, it's at this point, if you say the name Felicia Rashad, everybody knows who she is. There's no, we don't need to explain her body of work. Right. Yeah, she's Debbie Allen's sister. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then a bomb disco album in the 70s. Yeah, produced by Jack Morelli. With the village, from the Village People. Um, oh, yeah, that was Boogie Woogie Disco Biscuit, right? What? What? Nobody saw the get down? Okay, continue. <laughs> yeah. Condola Rashad's mother. Oh, that's true, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, and so the synopsis of Dream Girls, um, and I'm going by the Broadway thing. I'll mention deviations as necessary. So it starts out at a talent show at the Apollo Theater in New York in 1962. Um, three um, black teenage girls, well, um, Dina, Laurel, and Effie, um, have come on the subway on the but on the train from Chicago to compete. But they're late. They're supposed to go on second, so they don't get to compete at all. 
Um, but they run into a guy named Curtis Taylor Jr. who convinces the talent agent to put him on last after Tiny Joe Dixon. And it is a very um, obvious fat shaming joke that goes in right there because a, he's a big guy who does um, blues. <laughs> um, so I'm, what I'm going to do now is play a little bit of the song that they compete in the talent show with, just called Move. Yeah, Step It On My Heart. And so, and um, I have picked like various sources for these things, just to be fair to everybody, whether you're a fan of the movie or the um, musical, because I know there are people who do like that movie. So, and I, I mean, I like the movie too, but people who prefer it and don't, haven't heard the rest, I'm trying to balance it out. So, people prefer the movie? There are, there are people. Have um, they seen the play on stage? Probably not. Oh, okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, probably not. so the version of move I'm going to play is um, Jennifer Hudson's from the movie. That was a cute bop. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. So, even well, I gotta girls say are... that I enjoy the vocal direction for Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce in this movie because if you've ever seen them perform song perform songs from Dreamgirls uh, <laughs> like live, here we go. You will see just how much work Bill Condon had to do to rein them in. That's reining them in too. <laughs> that is reining them in. Yes, <laughs> but then it gets me like just listening to that little clip, and then, I mean it's a short clip, and I don't remember the rest of the movie. It's like you hear. <laughs> You you hear this miraculous voice, but I don't fe- feel like I don't really feel. I feel like she's just singing the song, and she there's like no emotion oh, behind you, it. You, you don't I say. Clutch, I I clutch my pearls. <laughs> like yeah, there's, there's no reverence for the material. It's just like I'm singing the song. You know no. what? You know what's missing? Can what? I say? Yeah. What's missing? Acting. Ooh. <laughs> Curtis. Sensing an opportunity with these girls that he just met, he um, tries to rig the um, the talent show. Only found out it's already been rigged. He's like, you know, five fifty bucks so that the Dream Mets don't win. You got it. They weren't going to win anyway. And so, are we getting lines from the? <laughs> Ooh, all right. uh, I, I I had this thing memorized. Like, I mean, I'm just <laughs> don't be shamed. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to Brandon's retelling of Dream Girls. <laughs> Get him a flashlight. Lord. <laughs> and so what his plan, and it succeeds, he um, offers to um, the manager of Jimmy Early, who was the headliner of the, after the talent show is over, a um, guy named Marty, that he's, he wants his three girls to see him back for Jimmy Early for $400 a week. Three, 30 bucks that night, $400 a week thereafter. Because, $400? Yeah. <laughs> Swear? <laughs> oh my god this is not happening <laughs> oh lord um, and so when because when Marty tried to offer that same deal to the girls um, Effie flatly told him we don't do backup <laughs> I don't do oohs and ah <laughs> right so when Curtis comes along Curtis turns on the charm and he you know gets Effie well I don't know you know like I, you know um, you know a girl like you could get hurt without somebody to look out for you and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so, think about that. That's really creepy. If, if he was basically... Well, 
playing on the big girl. Yeah, he's, it's very creepy. It's, it's creepier when it's Ben Harney and not Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx played that part. Okay, we're being honest, right? My biggest right. problem with Dreamgirls is Jamie Foxx. I didn't like how he played Curtis at all. I'm Jamie sorry, Foxx what? is terrible. Yeah. What did you say? Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Wait, uh-oh. No, he agrees the with you. The worst. The worst. <laughs> worst. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing I hated about Jamie Foxx is he's like, he was a failed singer, so I'm going to make him sound like a failed singer. Couldn't sing him like it's a musical, you motherfucker. Sing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. The thing I hated about Jamie Foxx is, are you singing in family or are you not singing? <laughs> because in some shots, you're kind of lip syncing along and in other shots, you aren't moving your mouth at all. Which one is it? Well, he was just embracing the fact that the character wasn't completely with it. And so he was letting the indifference show in his face. Yeah, dramaturgy. He was a brave decision. <laughs> but, of, but of all, all the poor acting in the movie, he's definitely not the worst, in my humble opinion. And we know he can lip sync because we've seen Ray. I'm just saying. Well. Oh. Ouch. Mm. Oof. Oof. Oscar Oh. Uh, <laughs> Where was, where was I? Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, Curtis plays on Effie, and, you know, she agrees. And and so they um they go down and get Jimmy, and Jimmy agrees to do it with three girls, not two, after he, after he sees the three girls, because Jimmy's, you know, he's a little bit of a uh-huh. um, creep, too. And, and he sees Laurel. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'll do anything for you, baby. What can I do for you? Well, Mr. Early, you could teach us the song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. This is that's, amazing. That's my part. If I ever do that, though, I want to be She has the best lines. She does. Especially when you hear yes. Loretta divide those lines. Well, you know, they cut so much of her part out of this. Yeah. They had to give her some good lines. The yeah. one actress of the trio. Does it actually can sing and act? At the the one. Yeah, yeah. The Anika one. Noni Rose, yes. A She's basically Neo robot. for Dreamgirls, yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. And so... <laughs> Damn. And so Jimmy proceeds to tell them about his history and teach them the song. 13 years. Come on. Of solid gold platters. And this is Cleavon Darius. This is from the mm-hmm. um, cast album. I could tell. <laughs> you could tell it was an Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you could hear that placement. Yeah, you could hear the acting. Oh, I thought Eddie was amazing. Eddie was as good as he could have been. He's not like the best singer, but I thought he did. I thought he did a really good job, though. He should have gotten an Oscar. Y- y- well, his voice isn't tainted from the shame of being about to do Norbit. <laughs> wow. Come on, Loretta. And you can hear her chin don't, moving from there. Don't eat the microphone, honey. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ, John. <laughs> right, and so they're a big you hit. Let that, you could have let that keep playing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 only, I, have, I have cut this thing down because we can make sure I can get through all of it. <laughs> um, I have succinct clips to play. It's like it's like church. I'm getting ready to close. Keep going. We're really close. Right. So they're a big success. In the movie version, they actually go on the tour at this point, but in the stage version, they are they are they're back, they're backstage a little bit longer because 
after they get off stage and Jimmy complains about everybody stealing my shit, you know, that fate used to kill him. Um, Curtis comes to them and proposes that, you know, why don't we try something different and appeal to basically the white audience and get you into the crossover? You know, it's just not selling just to black audiences, you know, and he proposes this through the metaphor of using the Cadillac car. And he sings this, the first part of the song, Cadillac Car, which contains one of my favorite lyrics of all time. If the big white man um, could make us think we need his Cadillac to make us feel as good as him, I'm we fine. can make him think he needs our Are music you? to make him feel as good as us. Shamo. <laughs> and so Jimmy's down. Marty is not. Marty's like, you know, this guy's a con artist. You know, it was you can't listen to this guy. He's a car salesman. I'm your agent, you know. <laughs> and so, but of course, Come since, on, Brandon, with the vocals. <laughs> no, I can't I can't sing like that. <laughs> y'all, y'all are professionals. Y'all are professionals. <laughs> um, and so Jimmy's this is Jimmy's down, Marty has to be down, and CC, of course, right there in the spot because with oh, some Cadillac man. car. Um, CC Effie's brother. I don't know if we mentioned he's Effie, he's Effie's brother. And I don't know. Uh, in the movie, Jimmy Fox mumbles so much. I don't think people in the audience realize that CC was Effie's brother until like the final act of the entire picture. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Oh no! We know. <laughs> if, we do. If she can sing like that. He can sing like that. I mean, I I got it the first time I saw it. But okay. the, I guess she got all the vocal talent in the family. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> Keith is from Augusta, Georgia. We are not going to do this. Uh, <laughs> let, let me tell you about my thoughts on Elijah Kelly. <laughs> oh, you can speak on those. <laughs> yes. Oh. Wow. And so they go on the tour and they decide also um, in the middle of the tour, they stop, have a stop and stop up and they record Cadillac Car. You know, a simpler song than Jimmy's usual style. Um, and it goes up the charts until tragedy happens. Tragedy. So let's hear a little bit. That's why the our... white artists were able to steal it. Stop it. You <laughs> so can't let's... steal what you can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a little let's have a little bit of Cadillac car. So I had to say, um, my white friends in my phone, this is their ringtone. I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) Also, his falsetto is kind of thick. See, this is one of the few songs that I think the movie version did better. Oh, yeah. All right. And of course, they get the white people to sing the songs. Better. <laughs> well, yeah, because in the stage production, there are no white people in the cast. So except they just no. got the Michael Ely guys to come out and sing it. Yeah. Oh God! Wow! wow. <laughs> no, the, I, I mean, like on some tours I've seen, they have the other black cast members turn their back to the audience and put on like blonde wigs, and they wear long sleeves, so you can't tell that they're oh. not. Oh. White face. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> well, not white creative. face. White white shirt. Got to white do what you hair. Budget wise. Brandon, it's a concept. I know. I know. Theater's I know. expensive. 
<laughs> well, also too, it's very hard to cast three actors, four actors to be like, you're going to be in 30 seconds of the show and travel the country with this. And thing. collect a full paycheck. Right. Exactly. Efficiency. So they just make it work. I mean, it, it, I mean, if it was going to happen, anybody would be white people. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no. So... Cadillac car gets covered by Dave and the Sweethearts, this white group, and goes with the charts way harder than Jimmy's version because that's what happened back in the day. White artists would find black songs that were popping in the RV chart, cover them, and, you know, shoot up the charts. Thank goodness that stopped happening. Right. <laughs> <Like>, finally. <laughs> uh, wow. Who was it that um that covered Umbrella? Oh, uh, what, Mandy? Not Mandy? Was it Mandy Moore? Ah, uh, you better leave. Better don't. <laughs> We we, we forgiven her because umbrella? of um this is us, but I do remember I, I was Wait, I felt a way about covered umbrella. I didn't even know that. I felt yeah. it didn't it didn't you, do well. You didn't know about that because they showed got the guitars. I was like under my umbrella. I Ella. mean, it's not like Rihanna's version. <laughs> Never mind. Are you talking about the version they did on Glee? Because no, they the, the um it was when I think they it was Manny Moore singing yeah. in the rain. Seriously though, who who covered um, umbrella? Yeah, I think it was Mandy Moore. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah, it was Mandy Moore. And- she did that for, for fun, for her friends. And I'm sure it was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> for her friends. Yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> I bet it was amazing. What if, right. uh, I would have gone with all, all the white covers of uh, Rihanna. Uh, work. What, was it Work? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, oh, all the ones on YouTube. With the acoustic, yeah. with the acoustic guitar, yeah. Yeah. It's a guy that's taco spot up the street from me, man. He does those every Wednesday. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> work, 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 work. Yeah, yeah. Cool guitar, white guy, work, 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 and bitch better have my money. <laughs> you know? I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, man. It's hard. Do you yes, throw I'm some money so in this sorry. guitar case, Kareem? What's up? Do you throw some money in this guitar case? If by money you mean urine, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> some people pay for that, too, yeah. yeah. That German song. Oh, right. Yeah. And so... Mm. Um, <laughs> say something nasty, but I don't. You? Lord, <laughs> that's and gonna so, be the name of me and Kareem's spinoff podcast. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. And so, even though Marty is like, that's just the way it happens. Curtis gets with CC, um, and they decide they're gonna start a payola scheme. They um, gonna step into the bad side. Yes, they are. They're gonna take a mean oh, ride. <laughs> the smile I had is gone away. Those that steal have gone to pay. <laughs> and that's still better than the movie version. Of course it is. It's on Broadway. They're professionals. And they have that awesome dance break they do in the middle of it. And like, um, because in the version I saw, because I saw the um the tour from 2009. The oh, dance. Uh, Salisha Mercado, what's that? Yes. And uh, Moya Angela. They, they did. And- Ooh, Moya, I almost jumped off the balcony when she sang, and I, I'm telling you. They were so good, and Chaz and Mar Shepard played Curtis. They were, everybody was really good. But oh, like they, my God, I have yeah. a Chaz Shepard story for y'all. <laughs> Come on, story. Story time. Is, is it, it for the, okay, okay. I'll All right, so... When they did the dance break, they all got like these neon line suitcases that came out and was exchanging them and everything. They yeah. got on the floor and did Busby Berkeley. I was like, damn, for real. This is not yeah. the movie. Because yeah. <laughs> you see in the movie version, there's just, you know, it's a montage of them doing all the like paella stuff, you know, going to the mob, 
where the mob's part in the film got cut way down. So I remember like the um reading, well, it's even like, on the extended scenes in the DVD. They yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the dance part is on a DVD on the extended scene. They cut it for a reason. Um <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um this is where I could talk about Keith Robinson and Jamie Foxx. Um, yeah, Garbage. Poor Keith Robinson. He can't win for losing. <laughs> I thought he was sweet. I, 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 I thought he was sweet. That's a great way to phrase okay. it. Like, <laughs> okay. Have, that's almost like you said, bless his heart. He was attractive and that's it. I don't know what he had to do on Bill Condon's casting couch. <gasps> wow. wow. Father God. <laughs> Put a blessing on this podcast, playing. please. Oh, and so they succeed in, you know, getting Jimmy's new song, Stepping to the Bad Side, up to number one on the um, pop charts by Hook and Crook, like my mom used to say. Uh, (laughs) And so... This obviously is Cleavon Derricks again. And Shirley Ralph and Loretta Devine and Jennifer Holliday. You'll also notice that when they wrote these songs, they had not decided on the Motown thing yet. So these songs, a lot of them are still in that late 70s R&B disco style. Well, well this sounds like an outtake from like Off the Wall or Thriller. I, I like the exactly. film version better. I like the film <laughs> version better too, actually. It's well, more accurate. Sure, but the musical is still a musical. So I think the cast, original cast recording, some of the songs don't sound like a particular style because they're they're musical songs. Right. It's a Broadway thing, right. Yeah. 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 And so after that happens, you know, everybody's successful in the movie version. This is when Curtis starts Rainbow Records and he turns his auto dealership into a music, into a um, music label. And then and Jennifer re- oversings Love You, I Do. <laughs> well, well, right. Well, that's probably my uh, favorite set in the film, the Rainbow Thank Records you. dealership. Yeah. The dealership is one. They built that from scratch. They found an empty lot in LA and built that dealership from scratch. It's a it's a really great looking set. In the mm-hmm. stage versions, where they sing "Party Party" and um, where um, I play a little bit of it, but my my favorite parts of the musical when um, Curtis is on the phone trying to get um, Jimmy a book in Miami Beach, all white Miami Beach, where the place is so white, our boys can even park the cars. And Effie wants Curtis's attention, so she does this. This is um Lydia's White from the this is from the um the uh, yes, concert. Yes. Oh, oh. It's very you better sing. <laughs> it's so serious. Yeah. Come on, Lily. Yeah, and so they replaced that with Love You I Do in the um in the movie version, which is a fine song. Sure, but I happen to live my life by, like, when I like a man's eyes. <laughs> so, um... Well, for, well, well, let's not gloss over Love You, I Do. Uh, yes. It's a great it's probably song, the I best think. thing in the movie. Well, the second best thing in the movie. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I hate that song. Oh! It's my favorite thing in that movie as well. And now, like, capital H. Well, are you the first... Are, uh, did you just overhear it, or did you always hate it? No, I always hated it. I just like, but it's it, it's Cedar Garrett. <laughs> it's the the problem is that is a tri- is a very 
much more traditional musical theater song. And so for songs like that, I need acting. Oh. I don't need I don't need acting for I'm changing. I don't need I'm act I don't need acting for I'm telling you I'm not going. For the Why not? Song. Because the song is so hard to sing anyway. I'd rather like close my eyes and be like, yeah. Baby, it's not hard when it's pre-recorded. You could have got, got acting. <laughs> well, sure, but like she It's had not to like she was singing. Point. She had to sing it at some point. Sure. Wow. So I'm saying like that, like Love You, I Do is not, the ethos of that song is not written to be vocally impressive. And so she overcompensated by oversinging mm-hmm. it and I wasn't into it. I mean, there's, what didn't she oversing in the movie? Thank though? you. <laughs> and, and I like her performance. I, I appreciate what she did with I'm Changing. I'm okay with, I'm totally okay with it. And I thought she was great in Move. The thing, so the, uh, since we're here, <laughs> I I the the many here, Chiron. the many things I have had to say that are bad about Jennifer Hudson's performance in this movie. I will give her that she sang the hell out of "And I Am Telling You," but she sang every other song in the score with the same volume and intensity. So there yes. was like special about. But, but to be to be fair, Bill Condon really had to pick his battles with her. But this is the thing. Yes. Hire another actress then. Because <laughs> there's no way on earth you're going to get a single take from me doing And I Am Telling You where there isn't like snot coming out of my nose, especially since I'm lip syncing to pre-recorded vocals. You gave me nothing and won an Oscar. <laughs> but the thing is like, oh. they sold that you couldn't sell that movie with, like, like who could it have been? You know what I mean? Any like Gen- Gen- Jennifer Hardy was willing to do it again. Thank she you. Was back for it. <laughs> <laughs> they could have they rogued one princess later. It would have been fine. <laughs> my, my issue is with Jennifer Hudson in all things, she is not an actress. So when you cast someone who is not an actress to do... Because, I mean, just because it's mostly singing you still need to act like well, that, well that's a problem with 90 percent of uh musicals though that are shot on film i mean that's a big problem with la la land for some people i heard but for la la land they didn't hire singers yeah they that's hired true. actors which i would much prefer to see an actor kind of be okay at a song than a singer give me nothing right but vocals and i i i understand he said on record that he didn't want her to cry and this and that and the other but like she's not an actress she's not an actress and i think that her singing performance was amazing give her a grammy for the cast album but we're giving oscars for 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 that i mean matthew mcconaughey has an actor so i mean has an oscar so, he's so, a, does, so, so an does marissa tomei so does marissa actress <laughs> Those people are actors. Whether you like their particular brand of acting, they are actors. She is not an actress. Not. And she was like very recently plucked out of obscurity before this movie. So she wasn't even a professional singer yet. Yeah, that's true. Sure. It's my biggest biggest grievance with the entire movie. Like if you're going to hire a singer, which she is, let her sing that shit live on set. I'm sure we could have got a genuine performance out of her if she was actually singing. 
It's possible. I just, I know that the way that they shot it, they wanted to shoot it like, you know, multiple takes, multiple angles, and so yeah, it becomes they, they 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 produce the shit out of it with the spaceship and all that. But the actress who freaking plays Alphabet on any night has to sing like twenty songs out of that score, and she has to do it every night. So. Yep. You got this is the job they've hired you to do. If you've got to sing that song 10 times, you gotta sing that song 10 times. And they'll fix it in post. I- I'm that here for true. the Adele Dazim reference though. Yes, Adele <laughs> uh, she can't sing any of those songs anymore. Oh yeah, she is getting older, so I mean I mean that's she's, she's, she's changing. Let's keep it on she's topic. She's changing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so going back to this, so they booked Jimmy in Miami Beach. He's the first black artist ever to play Miami Beach in the movie. I think in the musical is implied. That's the same. And but he bombs because he can't hold back to Jimmy. You know, I want you, baby. Turns into I want you, baby. You know, he goes so way good. overboard. <laughs> that's probably my least favorite song in Dreamgirls. In the movie. In the movie, right? Yeah. It's. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. But like, I have what's his name? Um, it just went in my head. Dog on it. Um, dog on it. Who? Um, Nick Drew. Who plays uh, Jimmy Early in the cast album? It just went in my head. I knew I forget it on the show. I'm, oh, I'm I don't so know. bad. Reggie. Oh, you just said his name. Billy Shit. something. Billy something. Hold on. Let me Google. I'm used to the um, what you call it. I'm a uh, concert girl. Yeah, in, no, in the concert. Not, not Cleavon Darris, in the concert. Who plays him in the concert? Oh, I don't know in the concert. It's, it's, oh, Bi- it's, it's, uh, it's Billy Porter. Billy yeah. Porter. Yeah, Billy Thank Porter. You. My oh, bad. My bad. Amazing in everything he does. I did not mean to taint that. My apologies. Oh, but yeah, that's this is an him. Interesting choice. Here. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. So I mean, Kurt, do you see why I loved him in Kinky Boots? Is with everybody else. He's everything. Yep. He's he's awesome. And so Curse decides he wants to um break up Jimmy from the Dream S and not have him not have them be his backup anymore and put him into their own group. Because he keeps uh, fucking up. <laughs> exactly. And so he decides he's gonna get them, you know, um new costumes, new wigs, a new um a new uh, new whole entire newly arranged show, and of course, um Effie. Dina's gonna sing lead. Dina's gonna sing lead. She can't sing like I can. A face on a record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that Dina's gonna sing the lead because you like the way she looks. Am I ugly to you, Curtis? Am I ugly to you, Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> How old are Dina and Effie both supposed to be at this time? I think um, like nineteen twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In the in the I have. I have a copy of the screenplay for the movie. Um, by this point, Effie's like 22. Dina is 17. And because Laurel is 18, she just started 18. I'm a woman now. Um, yeah, Dina's 17. Um, Effie's 22. 
It's my other. How long? How, how long has he known them for before this part? Like two a years. Month. How long? How many years? Two years. Two, two years. Yeah, that's definitely years. very creepy. Well, this is, and so this is my other issue with Beyonce being cast, besides the obvious. So the movie version, you have Jennifer Hudson, who's a very petite Effie, first of all. And you have Beyonce, who arguably has about a similar caliber voice of Jennifer Hudson. Arguably. Whatever. Semantics. The only reason why they, in the movie, they're selling Beyonce is because she's Beyonce as Dina. But for me take away so much from Effie's character when Dina can hella sing. The yes. point, the whole point of the entire story <laughs> is that Dina's not that great of a singer. And so the rub is because Effie is fat, Dina becomes a lead singer and she's far, far, far inferior of a singer. But in the movie, you have like kind of chunky Jennifer Hudson versus Beyonce, who also <laughs> seemed like Beyonce. Like, duh, Effie, of course, dummy, duh. And it just takes away Effie's whole plight to me to have Dina be as good of a singer as Beyonce. Yeah, yeah, it's like doing Porgy and Bess and uh, cancel, uh, casting somebody that's handsome as uh, Porgy. You know what I mean? It doesn't work. Yeah, they should have cast Ashanti. Well, wow. Well, <laughs> well, talking, well, about well hair on your, talking about hair on your lip. Lord. Well, while we're here, so they wanted Alicia Keys originally. That's what they wanted at first. <laughs> well, that, well, that would have that that been better. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> For um, what? To well, play I mean, as far yeah. as not being able to sing. But, but, but like they, really, they, they wanted Alicia Keys, and but Beyonce won that part so bad. She heard about the show back when she was a Destiny's Child. So she basically, but they didn't want to cast her because they thought, well, she sings too well and she has exactly. this really dynamic stage persona. We can't have that as Dina. What? So she's like, I'll do a screen test. And so she did the screen test. You guys can watch it on the Blu-ray or yep, the DVD. Um, and she she actually undersung the part when what she does in the movie. She sung it the way she should have in the movie. Yeah. I'm not sure why they asked her to sing it harder for the movie, but... They she could have done it. I think Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, I was gonna you know, say Matthew Knowles. Bill Cosby in the was like, "My daughter's gonna get an Oscar." So, <laughs> so did did she? Hmm, never mind. No, go ahead. Ask. No, I was asking because I know she has like a producer credit. No, she doesn't yeah. have a producer credit. Um, well, she always has a producer. The album credit. came out. Wow. The soundtrack came out on Matthew's label. Though. Oh, okay. Did yeah. she help write? Listen. I mean, we'll get to that. We'll oh, get that to controversy. That. We'll yeah. get to that. Allegedly. <laughs> Her and about 30 other people. She was in oh. the room when it happened. <laughs> the room I want to happened. be in the room where things happen. Yes. I want to be in the room. <laughs> right. So, and so Effie is downtrodden and Cece, and she found out Cece knew about this whole thing. And so, you know, Cece's like, you know, we, we want to uh, make, the, your voice alone is too special. We want to make a real group sound for the dreams. Mm-hmm. It's what we need. What about what I need? Yes. Curtis says it's the best thing for the group. What about what's best for me? He feels the, feels the dreams can cross over. <laughs> what about how I feel? But when we're famous. We're famous. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Do it for me. Do it for me. 
this part. Reggie is my dream. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what we are, we are a family. Yep. I'm about to start crying right now. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. So that is um, Oboe of Opportunity singing family. Yes. Um, when Keith Robinson sung yes, family. Yes, it's on pitch. Yeah. <laughs> God dang it, Reggie. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. All of it. He's not reaching for the notes. You can hear it. Oh, I love him. You could like hear that vein in Keith Robinson's neck like popping out. <laughs> Why couldn't they just like West Side Story him and get somebody else to sing the part? And just have couldn't they just it? lower the shit? <laughs> I would say just lower the pick key because you know it's improper to do um, singing ghosts in the modern era. People Is find it, out. I mean, but it would have been an improvement. Trust me. Am I blinded by my attraction to him? Why do I attract him? You just so like much? the way he looks. I mean, I mean you can't, <laughs> you, you, can't come, you can't come for Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson and not come for Keith Robinson, who is oh, right. Oh, like, I can. Oh, oh I can. Oh, I can. I prefer an actor. I prefer an actor. Again, oh. so why Keith Robinson? Oh, Reginalds. This concludes <laughs> our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> like, just tell me one thing Keith Robinson was fired in. He was fired in? No, fired. Like, he was Great. I don't know him. I don't know what he did. <laughs> I enjoyed Har- him. Harpo, who is this man? Right. Oh, he was this? 35 in Ticket. I don't know what that is. That <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, Dad. Are you mad or not? <laughs> and so CC convinces Effie to do what Curtis wants and let Dina sing lead. And so they form the dream mats become the dreams and open up and they're a gigantic success with their song. And that's of course is Shirley Ralph doing her best Diana Ross impersonation. So now I have a Shirley Ralph story. Uh, and Nick, June, and Reggie probably knew the story already. But I'm, uh, I don't know if the rest of y'all know it. I'm so, mad about this story. <laughs> so Shirley Ralph always wanted to meet Diana Ross. Because, you know, <laughs> so she, she got so involved in doing this part, you know. And so sometime after she had done Dream Girls, she happened to be in the same restaurant as Diana Ross. And... She saw Diana Ross came over to her and she's like, Miss Ross. Diana turned around and smiled really big. And then Shirley Ralph said, I'm Shirley, Diana, Ralph. Oh. From that show. Ooh. I know who you are. And turned back around. Oh. And kept eating. Hey. <laughs> See, the thing, my problem with the story Teddy. is Brandon told this story way different the first time he told it to me. He told me that Cheryl, Cheryl Ridley Ralph didn't come up over to Diana. Diana got up at her seat to talk to uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph and said, I know who you are. I, I revised it after hearing Cheryl Lee Ralph out of her own mouth to the story. Like, to I be mean, fair, Brandon has told the story a lot. <laughs> but, it's, but it's a good one. That's okay. It's a good story. It's one of my favorite Diana Ross stories. It's just... From that show. Uh, my my favorite Diana Ross story is when uh, they asked her if she was going to see the film. Oh, yeah. She said, I'll see it with my lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> she, she with a fucking voice coach. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bad when you get outsung by Chris Clark on your own label. Right. Wow. Wow. Shout wow. out to the white mistress. <laughs> I need a nap. <laughs> I, I think that episode of this podcast was called Barry Gordy's Bottom Bitch, right? No, it wasn't. Yeah. That was not what it was called. We, we should have went with that. <laughs> iTunes wasn't having that. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, with the dreams become successful, you know, in the movie version, they become successful. They, they, and the movie version takes place on Earth D, I guess, because they are the Supremes in the movie version. In the musical version, they keep saying, we're as famous as the Supremes. Right. Yeah. Um, because by the time they made the movie, David Geffen, of course, you know, he's part of, you know, that whole Universal Interscope family of labels. And in there is Motown, so... He had the authority and the right to make it as Motani as he wanted to. Um, well, and that's, so, uh, that's a queen that's never held back, though. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be alive tomorrow. <laughs> um, so with success comes struggle because um, Effie starts acting out, you know. Missing rehearsals. Missing rehearsals. She's late. Pushing She's microphones mean. away aggressively. <laughs> Get, getting fatter all the time. I talked getting over that. Fatter all the time. Over singing um, Dina when they're on TV. Which is why they cast Jennifer Hudson. Well, <laughs> you, you've seen that in any award show from 2006 on where they're both doing it. You Hell, you saw Hairspray Live where she like smashed Ariana Grande. <laughs> I actually didn't want to put myself through that. <laughs> yeah, I remember it, on the it, show, y'all said y'all were debating where that y'all were going to watch it. It's better in a lot of places than the film and worse than others. Oh, okay. Like Ariana. <laughs> That's not a recommendation. <laughs> right. And so by the time the dreams are opening in, a, in, a, in the end of 1965 in Las Vegas, Curtis has had enough. And so he's hired a replacement, Michelle Morris. The fact her name is Michelle was always funny to me because Beyonce played this part in the movie. I just cackled all day long. I'm sorry. Um, to come in and replace um, Effie. And so Effie comes in late to the rehearsals and she's trying to find her dress. Because she Where's was my- taking a pregnancy test. That's exactly why. Spoilers. <laughs> and so she finds Michelle has her dress on and sort of they start It's All Over where they're arguing back and forth in the song and then they finally get to where Michelle decides she wants to have say something. I'm just breaking it. Now you watch your mouth. <laughs> Effie, we all got pain. Beyonce did well here in this in the film, I think. But and I think so was, did Jennifer. It was one long flashback for Beyonce to writings on the wall, though. <laughs> <laughs> My joke always was that Beyonce's audition for this film just considered her as, um, Beyonce, can you say, bitch got my group? Sure, bitch got my group. Do I get a part? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I don't even think it was that much. It was much like, oh, you want to do this? Wait a minute. 
You, you, you sure you're gonna be typecast? No, I don't care. All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> that screen that that they did. She did come into that screen test in full makeup and costume when she didn't have to. <laughs> she had she those, so- <laughs> uh, 1998 no 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 braids in. Like, I'm, like, I'm a character, <laughs> and they had to tell her that it was set in the '70s. <laughs> wow! <laughs> All right, and so of course, when Effie realizes that she has nothing left, and Curtis is about to walk out of her too, she starts singing, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. And when Curtis finally does actually walk out after she tries to steal one last kiss, and he runs off of the set or the stage, depending on which version you're watching, uh, this happens. And y'all know who this is. This is Jennifer Holiday. I was not even going to. Um, not. Anybody <laughs> else wants Jennifer Holiday for this? Yes. Yes. Come on, Chin. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, and so <laughs> Effie gets kicked out of the group, and um, and the Dina, mirrors turn around. Mirrors turn around. <laughs> Effie, Dina, and Laurel. No, um, Michelle, Dina, and Laurel run out there and sing "Love, Love, Love Me, Baby," and then intermission hits. When intermission is over and the curtain come back up, it is now 1970. And the play is 1970. The movie's 1973. Because I think the play got a little bit of chronology of when disco started mixed up a little bit, but... Step, step, step on over. Dramaturgy. Who cares? Right. And so that... the Beginning of Act 2 changed all the time. It's a very flexible little musical number. (laughs) In the original show, it was just a medley of of, um, the songs from Act 1, and then they had another version of their press conference they did in Act 1 as well. Then they changed it to the um the Dream Girls thing with the staircase that um Beyonce now does in the concert when she performs Dream Girls in concert. Oh God. Because um, <laughs> I, I I I'm sure everybody who goes to see her show who knows Dream Girls falls out when she does it that way instead of the way she did in the movie. But it's um do I have it here? Hello everybody. Yeah, this is Audrey McDonald doing it in the concert. And I found this perfume in London. It's called <laughs> Devastation. So is it a lot of that? Wait, uh, Audrey McDonald was Dina? Yes. Yeah, uh, she was Dina. Why? Like, wouldn't she be Effie? <laughs> no, absolutely not. No. <laughs> she can sing really well. Her voice Effie, no, she doesn't have an Effie voice at okay, all. Okay, she doesn't have the booming, soulful voice? Yeah, no, that's not, that's no. No. <laughs> she's a perfect Dina. She's, she's a, a perfect, perfect she's like Dina. a well singing, perfectly trained Dina. And because she went to Juilliard, she actually can act like she can't sing that well. And her lead vocals, <laughs> and her lead vocals on Dream Girls, the number, that's definitive, like masterclass right there. Or, and so, and then when they finally did the tour, they wrote a new song for the beginning act two called What Love Can Do. I don't know how anybody feels about that one. Um, it's a nice little song. This is not, not the-, the song by Latoya Luckett from her debut album. 
what I thought Beyonce had her killed. She didn't. She's still alive. Didn't know. Yeah. Or Matthew Noel. Sorry. <laughs> Lucky. What's the fourth girl's name? I never remember. Latavia. Latavia. No, no isn't Green that a brand? That's a brand of chocolate. Uh, <laughs> oh, in Green Girls. You mean um, Michelle? Michelle. Oh, yes. Of course it is. Of course it is. Right. <laughs> I don't know how Beyonce wasn't like, this is just too much for me. <laughs> right. So... Wow, the Dreams, they are now world famous, super rich, you know, the most popular recording group in the country. You know, Curtis has married Dina because Effie was right the whole time. Shocker. Um, that, you know, Dina was sleeping with Curtis. Um, Jimmy is, you know, basically like washed up more or less. Um, Curtis is sort of kind of keeping him around more or less, but giving him bad material on purpose. Uh, Cece is dating Michelle, which unloyal, unloyal, unloyal. Patience, little sister. Yeah. Yeah, we are family, my ass. Uh, <laughs> in the movie I, I'm version, sh- I'm sure it was the cocaine. Totally. Wow, was CC on cocaine? Oh, oh my come god! On. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> he's based off Smokey Robinson. <laughs> wow. Um, I feel um, like I feel like in the movie version, they glossed over the fact that CC started dating Michelle. It's, it was just supposed to be understood. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just they're just singing of... together in patience and then they're at a party, aren't they? Well, yeah. then, and then when, you know, when uh, Effie says that line to her, how much did you put out to get in? Like, <laughs> <laughs> she did put out to get in. Show did. That's why she got so she, mad. She pulled off those press off nails really easily, didn't she? <laughs> what my grandma says only a hit dog will holler. <laughs> You know, in the movie version, this is where, of course, um, Patience comes in, which I don't like this song that much. Uh, this song is terrible. You know, of the original songs of the movie, <laughs> I hated it the least. Oh. <laughs> what? So you're really doing Patience over Love You, I Do. I get Fuck the vocal yeah, singing, but Angelina lyrically... Rose has control over her voice. Oh. Okay, this song is garbage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cut beat. But no, if you want to see Anina Rose, she, Anika Noni Rose can sing really well. At but the she's Oscars, also a great, it was the performance was better. Well, but she's yeah. also a great um, actress, as evidenced by her turn in The Good Wife, uh, and by her, her own her turn in Carolina Change. Yes. <laughs> there goes our requisite Good Wife reference. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering how long it was going to take. <laughs> you know, I almost worked it in earlier, um, but I, I saved it. I've, I've been waiting to take a drink for a long time, John. You should have done that. <laughs> and so while everybody else is successful, um, poor Effie's um, back home in Chicago or Detroit, depending on which version you're watching. You know, she's down and out, but she meets up with Marty, Jimmy's old manager, who takes her around, tries to get her jobs. But, you know, she's late everywhere because she has to take care of a little girl named, named Magic. Magic. Oh, her middle name is Melody. Right, Magic. How, right. how does she spell magic? <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to go home. Uh, yep. 
It's spelled the right way, John. At least in the script, <laughs> I'm it is. It's spelled the right way. I actually looked in the script to find it. <laughs> I was looking at it like, did he just check that? Um, no, I went to go turn my heat off. It started up. Okay. <laughs> But no, the script is upstairs. I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to read it. You don't need it. Off book. <laughs> and so um, Effie's interviewing with Don um, Max Washington, uh, who doesn't want to see her, but she says, "You are, Mister. You are." And she sings, "I am changing." For which I have again Jennifer Holiday's version because I like Jennifer Hudson's version. It's fine, but it was it's, great. Yeah, but it's not Jennifer Holiday. Although in the film version, I really love like the art yeah. direction of like the concert part of it. Like it's like the light direction and like how they had the band set up and everything, and how they did the the in camera um, time cut. Totally. I thought that that was really nice. Also, it's also a really great moment on stage as well with that quick change in the pin spotlight. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen the, like any of the Broadway shows, what they do is they have Effie auditioning in her like or like a like a like a, a code or whatever and then they do they close the spotlight on just her head and when it comes back out wide she's got on her ball gown and she's and she's got the job they do the same thing in the movie they just do it like as a tra- as a time cut within like where do you see Jennifer Hudson you in her yeah. in, in her moo auditioning Moo-moo. and then <laughs> they 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 do like a camera whirl around her head and you see the audience in there and you see that she's got a job What's her line about uh, blowing that much money? Oh, yeah. Um, the Florence Ballard thing where she talks about how she blew half a million dollars in two years drinking. Yeah. Um, drinking? Most, yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. So much Motown trivia stuffed into the walls of that movie. I I was trying to let Dreamgirls rest on his own before we, we dug into how much it copied off of somebody's life. Uh, <laughs> I mean... It's basically... The Earth Deep version of the Supreme story, just with a happy ending instead of a sad one. Exactly. Well, it didn't end well for Curtis. I mean, fuck him. Did it? I mean, he's, he'll be all right. He had, uh, what's that new girl? Tania Williams in the movie. Is, is <laughs> Tania her name. Yeah. Williams. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mad I remember that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I <laughs> I'd be mad if you hadn't. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Curtis, um, he's talking to Dina. Dina, in the stage version, wants to stop doing music and perform and be an actress. In the movie version, Curtis Sounds has come up with this familiar. This, yeah, <laughs> Curtis go with this this awful idea to do a young Cleopatra movie where they'll be singing seventies oh. music set in ancient Egypt. Okay, so this reminds me: the agent is played by John Lithgow. And it is yes. the best role by any white person in any movie ever. I mean, <laughs> he is like, you want to talk about chewing scenery? <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. Although, it's not my favorite John Lithgow role to date. That would be him as Winston Churchill in The Crown. Oh, my God. That is it. Yeah, that's... If you want to take, like, his performance in Dreamgirls and stretch it with the British accent over 10 episodes, well, 
seven episodes. Oh my god, it is so over the top. Yes. Also, anyway. when she who shall not be named says no pretense, no fucking bullshit. Fucking bullshit. I <laughs> so bad. So hard in the theater. Like, ma'am, you can you act like you've ever said that word before? Right. Oh, I think, saw, I think who, the point was saw, that was she supposed to be we, acting like she hadn't said the word before? Right. No. I thought the the idea was that she... Yeah, what I got from that scene... Mind you, again, I don't know much about the entire production process behind this. But (laughs) what I got from the scene was that she was trying to act like... She was trying to act like she was, you know... A little tougher. Cool to what's going on here. You know? I'm from the projects in Detroit. So she threw threw a couple of expletives as if... That's what we do. Black people, we cuss. well, that's why her sister had to get down and dirty in the elevator. <laughs> wow. <No. laughs> um, but yeah, before we get... We're jumping ahead a little bit, though, because we um, didn't talk about when I first saw you, which is where Curtis, of course, you know, talks about how much he let's, loves let's, Dina you're, you're, or you're, the image of Dina that um, he's created for himself. And um, um, so I'm going to play Ben Harney singing when I first saw you. you. Thank you. <laughs> I know... See how good that sounds? You know what? (laughs) So now, now I'm going to play Jimmy Fox singing when I first saw you. why? Because I need to, to to illustrate for uh, academic purposes what has happened in this movie. We were having such a good time. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, God, it's painful. So they did a piece for the 35th anniversary, I think, in New York Times, where they interviewed Ben Harney and Shirley Ralph. They had not seen each other in, like, decades. Um, they asked Ben Harney what he thought of Jamie Foxx singing <laughs> when I first saw you. Well, and he refused I, to I, answer the question. Well, as I read it, I did the Birdman hand rub. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would have said that Jamie Foxx sung it like Eddie Murphy broke his heart. <laughs> and wow. <laughs> Right, and so in the movie version, of course, this is where they do the, the um, <laughs> this is where they do the fake mahogany um picture um oh, show because yeah. in the, the stage show they have the song "One More Picture Please" where you know the girls are doing this um, photo shoot. In the movie version, they do the mahogany montage because I saw this movie before I saw mahogany. I saw mahogany like like six months afterwards because it just came on DVD and like right when Dreamgirls come on DVD the same day, and I was like. This the same scene. <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you'll notice in the movie version that Beyonce has on um, blackface for like two seconds. I don't. Oh I don't my know god, I forgot. About wait, wait. That. They you're saying they Nina Simonder? Yes, they did. Wow, they sure did. I don't know what that was about. Um, and so after this point, they have in the was play. It, wait, was it from reshot reshoots or something? No, it, she's no, she was supposed to be dark, like, a, like an, yeah. an Egyptian oh, goddess. Oh, I see. Right. Yes. Yeah. And she's painted um, darker. Um, in the play, the um, Dreams and Jimmy earlier performing at the 1972 Democratic National Convention. <laughs> which is random. <laughs> it's very <As> random. Fuck. <laughs> and Laurel, who's still been dating, who's been dating Jimmy ever since, you know, um, 
uh, I'm a woman now days, um, back when they were young. She tells Jimmy that's been seven years now. She wants to be married. Ain't and no she, party. No, 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 yep. no, no. She says seven years of unmarried bliss. Life. It's not bliss. Life. <laughs> yes. Um, and so she sings Ain't No Party Ain't about... Ain't No Party. <laughs> how My she favorite feels. song in the musical. Yes. Get him, Loretta. Yeah. So that song is not in the movie. Which is really a shame because it's, it's Anika criminal. could have sang that. Oh, she did on the, I have the screen test on the DVD. Yeah. That's like yeah, my she, favorite. Yeah. But damn. she auditioned with it and she did a great job. They just decided, I guess, that it didn't fit their They're like, we should, the do, movie. we should do listen instead. <laughs> well, what happened <laughs> Or was Patience. They were trying to market. Or that horrible Jackson 5 song. <laughs> they were trying to market Oh my god, I fucked that song. Um, <laughs> they were trying to market Beyonce as the star, so they had like a lead to sell Jennifer as supporting. So they had to like front load a bunch of Dina unnecessary storyline, which right. is an unfortunate choice. Yeah, it's right. the weakest thing about the movie. Very much so. Um Oh my god, that fucking Jackson Five song. I like so I bad. like it from the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion. Oh my god! <laughs> I, I like it. It's just it's you know you know who's singing lead on that is um the dude from um Troops, Steve Russell. Oh, I was like Elijah Kelly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> see, this is great. We need to do a hairspray episode again. Well, I <laughs> oh, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm <missing> opinions. <laughs> and so, Jimmy. Can't commit to Laurel. He won't leave his wife. He won't get. He won't. Um, um, so he goes out and sings "I Met You No Harm" because that's it. he's performing. And of course, he's talking about Laurel. In the movie version, you see him singing back and forth to Laurel and to his wife, played by none other than Donna Lewis, Don Lisa, motherfucking Lewis, <laughs> with two ends. That extra end from Jennifer. Give it to Don. <laughs> exactly. And so. In the stage version, this is where they do the quintet, where Jimmy's still singing, um, I Miss You No Harm. Laurel and Dina are, um, Laurel's telling Dina about how distraught she is over Jimmy not leaving his wife for her. Cece's complaining to, uh, to Michelle about um, Curtis, and Michelle tells him he should go back to and find his sister. And then Jimmy breaks down on stage and decides he can't sing any more sad songs. Too much, too much, he's on that shit. I can't do it. I can't sing no more sad songs. Yes! Finally! I can't do it no more. I can't sing no more sad songs. This course is Eddie Murphy. Now the first time I heard the um the musical, I was like, I got the entire show when it is version. Because it's supposed to be about the progression of army music from like the doo-wop days to like the funk and hip-hop days. When he, because when he started rapping, I was like, "Oh, I get what they're doing now." I mean, I got it, but I got it when he started rapping. Horns, come on up. Hey, girl, let's rap with Jimmy early. 
But yeah, and so and then he pulls his pants down. Yep. <laughs> and <laughs> what's, Curtis, uh, what's uh, Curtis's line? Which movie or play? Afterward. Um, what's what's what does he say in the play to him afterward? Oh fuck. Um, it's all sung in the play. It's like you know, like um, hey, you guys, you like my show? That's it, brother. You gotta go, brother, my man. Right. We're through. Like um. My part I remember most about the play version is that he says, that's because, Jimmy, you don't trust the music. And that's because, Jimmy, you don't trust the words. You got the right curse because that shit's for the birds. Because Jimmy got so, Jimmy got so. You mean Jimmy got old. Jimmy got old. Jimmy got, Jimmy got, Jimmy got old. <laughs> that's, some, that's some shade. That is a yeah. read. <laughs> <laughs> and so Curtis fires him. And so Laurel leaves. And Jimmy's like, Laurel, you're not going to leave too, are you? Baby, I got a show to do. That's the one thing they did live on the soundtrack, right? Where they sang it yes. together. Yeah. They um Econoni Rose did that live on the set. Because actress. <laughs> <laughs> also, that's not that hard or long. That's what she said. <laughs> God damn it, John. <laughs> Who's that scene? That's Loretta Devine. Oh, I was going to say, because uh, it's Heather Headley on the cast. Yeah. Uh, on the concert. Yeah. Yeah. Who, was, who also did a great job, too. She was Heather Headley was good, yeah. And so, Cece goes back to um, Chicago or Detroit, depending on the version, <laughs> um, to go and find um, his sister. And when he finally meets up with her, and she's, you know, like, not happy to see her at we all. haven't even said hello. Right. He decides to sing this. And this, of course, I think this is Obama Tunde. Yes, it is. No, no, no. You need to play the version from the film. No. Yeah, you need to play Keith Struggle Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds so good. It's so beautiful. I can send it to you if you can play it real quick. I got it. (laughs) Okay, let's hear it. I didn't clip it, though. I didn't know. Effie, it's been all these years. The problem is that Keith Robinson, like, like every other, thing. like every it's... other black black male singer under 40, is trying to sound like Michael Jackson. Real bad. Yes. <laughs> well, he, but he's coming off like Bobby Brady with his voice changing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter, first of all. <laughs> They all look alike. <laughs> did you say Nick Vince Company did you? I did. That is amazing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, and this is when he tries to keep up with her. That's not wait, wait, wait. Fair. We got to hear this. Warble. Ugh. Yeah, and so they cut Bill that Condon out of the movie. Was, Bill Condon was like, hey guys, let's just do it as dialogue. Well, 
I'll tell you what actually happened. This movie was went to production right after the producers and um, Phantom at the Opera both flopped at the, at the box office. And so well, the David Geffen terrible. called down. What happened? Producers, the film version is terrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm still mad about it. It was not that good. It's like the pop version of a musical. It's good. It's just not like great. Yeah. like It's very catchy. It's fun. to be on film. <laughs> it's catchy. The film one it is does not need to exist except for like springtime for Hitler, and that's it. I could, I could, I, we'll talk about the film version a little bit later of the producers, but um, or the, or the, the new film version. But um, though because those flop, David Geffen called down and said, every song that you have where people sing, sing, talk to each other, I need a version of that that is dialogue only because we need to we need to make sure the movie will succeed because people may not like musicals anymore. I will never and say so, anything bad about David Geffen for cutting that. <laughs> and so again. they have a version of your know, family where, you know, Effie just says, what about what I want? What about what I need? It doesn't sing it. They have all that stuff. And this is the version they kept for this of um, um, I Miss well, You, Old Friend. Well, they probably just mocap Jamie Foxx in from that version. And that's explains Wow. It. Wow. <laughs> that's why he was like sometimes the lead lip singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so what do I do with my mouth? <laughs> and so they get um, Effie to record CC's song One Night Only Which he had written for Dina But F- Chris wanted to turn it into a disco record And CC refused and So Under Effie It becomes the ballad he wanted it to be And this is Jennifer Hudson's version I like, I like her, I like her ver- This is my favorite this of her cute. recordings And I'm playing a session they cut out of the movie. They didn't. They recorded the whole thing, but didn't use the whole thing in the final edit of the film. And of course, Curtis hears it on the radio. And he's Shout like, out to the uh, guitar player from the film version of that. Yes, oh Lord. for staying with her. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's like, um, we're going to get um, a whole lot of money and put it on our version and get it moving up. And put even more on Effie and CC's version and get it moving down. Yeah, he basically Cadillac Carzer, which is yeah, ironic. Yeah, ex- exactly. Which is like, it's like the, he's become the white man he's been trying to fight the whole time. Full circle. Well, that's Full what stepping to the bad side is about, you know. <laughs> right. But he literally did the exact same thing to a bl- another, another black person this time. Crabs in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. What does it mean? Oh, Shut up. He has her. He is Reggie, Reggie, Reggie. Mixed company. Sorry. He's trolling you. <laughs> he hears he hears that a lot, especially from me. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Audrey McDonald singing um, One Night Only as Dino. So in the musical version, of wait, course, wait, this well, is where on. what the they did two different the Beyonce version that is better, but they did a different version. Um, they released the single version uh, for Dreamgirls in the film One Night Only. Oh and yeah, and they, a different and mix. then they had the soundtrack version. Yeah, and the the version on the soundtrack is shit. You, the, they uh, add all the sound effects from the movie. That's why, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did want to mention, of course, in the in the in the musical version on stage, this is where they started doing the countdown of whose song is where on the charts. 
in the middle of one night only. Cadillac car. And I so wanted them to do like a montage in the movie version, which they did not do. But when they did no. the tour, when they did the tour version, they sort of kind of did that on stage. And I was like, okay, this will work because they had like like the like the charts going back and forth, rolling up and down. The thing is, there are only so many theatrical conventions you can try to do in a movie. Like, I just think odd movie audiences don't have the imagination of a of a theater audience. Yeah, right, I'd agree I with understand. that. I agree. Give me one second. Kareem has to bounce. He already locked off. He's going to a dinner date. He's got one night on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so, Curtis sees Dina's version becomes hit. Effie's version disappears. But Marty, CC, and a white Effie and a white man show up at. Curtis's office uh, waving legal papers because they're going to go to the feds and tell them about all the payola stuff unless um, Curtis agrees to um, stop what he's doing. And so in the midst of all this, Effie goes to apologize to Dina. Oh, Dina goes to apologize to Effie. Mm-hmm. My bad. My bad. What did Effie do? Effie didn't do anything. It's Dina's fault. Uh, <laughs> and they make up and they, ar- they um, arrange to have Curtis stop Payoloing the song. Of course, the movie just extended out further because we had to make room for listen to Ugh. the song here in my heart. Uh, <laughs> listen is so terrible. It doesn't belong in the movie, and they like put it in the tour most recently. It just it's it's so ill placed. It doesn't work. It's like what it's you not a song instead of musical. "Love You I Do." If you're going to put a song from the film in the touring version, yeah. Yeah. Beyonce basically breaks character in the film to do Listen. Essentially, is what she does. She breaks character. Dina's well, not, we, we, we already thought Dina was over-singing a little bit, but now she's like, you know, you know doing all Beyonce stuff. I'm like, I was in a theater like, really? really? I mean, it's fair to say that after a lengthy career, she would have probably matured as a singer, but not to the point where she sounds like... She loses all vocal control, yeah. Everything she was doing earlier just gets totally goes out the window. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. she really thought she was going to win an Oscar for best song. So she was like, <laughs> I have to sing the fuck out of this because I need to win an Oscar. Right. And then three songs from Dreamgirls got nominated for best original song and they all lost. Yep. Something terrible one too. We've uh, we've got to wake up from Melissa Etheridge. Yep, <laughs> the Little Affair mm. album. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and so the dreams break up, and they they perform their farewell song. Um, hard to say goodbye. This, of course, is Beyonce's version. It's fine. I, I prefer the much. lyrics. In it's the, too much. I, I, 
I prefer the lyrics in the Broadway version of that um, versus the film. But yes. Well, the version I, the, from the opening night, they had not written. They had another song in its place and they rewrote it at the very last second before they went on. And they eventually wrote this version like a year later. So it was very, it was different when they first opened on Broadway. Um, and it was like shorter. And so, of course, you know, for their final number, they invite Effie back out. Because actually, you know. they're four dream girls. Oh, they're so <laughs> grown worthy. And then the whole close up on Magic and then the close up on Jamie Foxx. Like, wait, what? I was like, oh. Yep. This is, of course, it's Jennifer Holiday and um, the original Broadway cast. I hate then, how much nicer Dina's character is in the film version versus the Broadway play. Yeah. It totally shortchanges that moment. Yep. Yeah, they did make her a lot nicer than, for Beyonce. But it's um, because Beyonce true. had to be nicer in the movie so people didn't think it was her from real life. Right, I know it's something like <laughs> too much, yeah. Right. Because if Dina said, well, you got to catch your flight, like she did to Farah, then people wouldn't, they would never have to over. Right. And so, after Dreamgirls, the musical on stage became famous, Jennifer Holiday tried to become a, a recording star in her own right, but it didn't work out. Apparently, she got on David Geffen's bad side and got blacklisted from the industry. Was that a pun? <laughs> it, wasn't, it, it, it wasn't meant to be. Did she take a mean ride to? <laughs> Smiles uh, had went away. I think David Giffen took the meme right. And so I don't know if y'all knew this or not, but when he first started developing the movie version, it was right after um David Geffen produced the film version of Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. in '86. And they wanted Whitney Houston to play Dina. Yeah. Never would have worked. No. I, no. <laughs> But the thing was, Whitney Houston wanted to sing Effie songs and right. somehow still play Dina. Of course. <laughs> so that didn't go it anywhere. It her vocally to sing Effie. It just doesn't make sense at all in the movie for, for, for her to play Effie. Right. I mean, they could have got Janet Jackson to play Dina. Wow. <laughs> I mean, talk about having 40-year-olds play 20-year-olds. In the Look, 80s. If Denzel Washington oh. can play Walter Lee on Broadway, then anything is possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And so they tried again um in 1997, 98 after Tina Turner um What's Love Got to Do with What's Love Got to Do with It became a hit in 93. Um it was going to be directed by Joel Schumacher mm-hmm. after he got done with Batman and Robin. Oh. <laughs> that was his it was his next project. That would have been trash. Yep, they went after um, Lauren Hill to play Dina. No. They actually went and asked her, and she actually said no. So I don't know what they were going to do after that. But that's what they wanted. They wanted um, uh, Kelly Price to play Effie. Yes. <laughs> that could and be they wanted, yeah, they wanted Don Cheadle to play Jimmy Early. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I'm here for that. Yeah, but that all went away because the Frankie Lyman movie, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, flopped. And so they shut down Dream Girls. 
<laughs> and so they made this version because Bill Condon had wrote Chicago and he got he was being offered every musical except for the one he wanted to do, which was Dreamgirls. Yeah. And he talked David Geffen into doing it. He got set up and everything. Um, at his DreamWorks. pitch was like, I'll make it look just like Chicago. It'll be fine. <laughs> it was amazing, I will say. It was amazing. Yeah, it was. It was really good. Best um, musical of the 2000s East to me, film-wise. Maya Harrison? Yes. What? That's actually She's... not a bad choice. They're all bad choices because none of these people are actresses. So unless they were doing it the way, the way which is entirely sung through, give me somebody who knows how to say words on screen. Right. Here's one thing, though. Shirley Ralph didn't like Beyonce as Dina, well, besides any other reason, because that, that that Beyonce is light-skinned. And, oh. oh. Yeah, and and she she said that when they were d- developing the show, and, my, and um, when Tom Iron was casting it, he wanted three brown-skinned girls because he didn't want colorism. the reason why, D- uh, colorism to be the reason why Dina got her, um, her stardom. And they so they went the Lee Daniels route, is what you're saying. Wow. <laughs> you need to go home. They didn't even use it, which would have been to their advantage, like throw in a little light skin pig. Yeah, they didn't say anything about it at all in the movie, um, which I thought was odd. Um, I can understand casting Beyonce or casting a light-skinned person in a movie version because, you know, movie film is a visual medium, Simon. It's... <laughs> Did y'all ever watch the L.A. Complex? That's my favorite quote from the L.A. Complex. <laughs> Brandon, nobody else watched that. Okay. <laughs> um, and so when they developed this version, of the movie version, the first person they went to is Jimmy Fox because they Bill Condon knew when he wrote the film he wanted Jimmy Fox to play Curtis. But Jimmy Fox had literally just won the Oscar when they went to him. This was February of 05. Oh, boy. They should so have like won- eight era Jamie Foxx. That would have been better. They could have actually directed him. Yeah, he wanted fifteen million dollars. He wanted executive producer credit for himself and his manager. Ugh. He wanted the film to not start production until he got through with his tour for um, what's the song? Girl, get comfortable and all that. Yeah, thank you. Um, and he wanted the album to come out on whatever his label was going to be called, which he hadn't started yet. And they so said that didn't happen. Yeah, so they said that's fine. We'll talk to you later. We're calling up Denzel now. Denzel said, "I can't sing." We're calling up Will. Will said, I don't want to do it. Terrence Howard wanted to do it, but he wouldn't come into audition in person, so they wouldn't hire him. I mean, is that all the actors they could have gotten? I mean, nobody else? Well, the thing is, you can't do that movie with no names. Like, you have to right. have A or, like, B-plus list stars to sell a Black musical because white people don't think Black Lives Matter, so they really don't <laughs> want to see him on film unless they're famous. Pretty much, that's exactly what happened. So they went to just two Fox after they got Eddie Murphy and Beyonce because Eddie Murphy was easier to get signed. He was a little bit concerned about playing a supporting part, but Jeffrey Katzenberg came from DreamWorks Animation and talked him down. So once they had Beyonce, he's and like, Eddie "Hey, Murphy, you're, you're the man that's going to do like, a thousand words. Yeah, you're, you're the man's going to do a thousand words. You're going to do Shrek. You're going to do. He was already doing Shrek daycare movies for DreamWorks." No, I know. Um, That's why he had leverage on him. Like, yeah. you're well, not I forgot exactly, the reason. Uh, the real reason why Eddie Murphy signed on to do Dreamgirls was because um, David Geffen and Steven Spielberg greenlit Norbit. That was why. Yep. Ugh. 
So those two movies, their fates were forever interconnected. That movie is the reason <laughs> he lost that Oscar to Alan Arkin. It Shout is. out to Little Miss Sunshine, yes. <laughs> he should have sent him a fruit basket. And Norbit wasn't a bad movie. Sit up, Kendrick. I can't hear you. I said Norbit wasn't a bad movie. Uh-uh. Bye. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, we're putting that in the sucker punch category now. I can't. No. Norbit on the low is not a bad movie. If you No. You have to treat it like a cartoon. No. Absolutely yeah. not. Baby's Kids is fucking Sophie's choice compared to Norbit. <laughs> uh-uh, I will not give you that. Norbit is terrible. Okay, welcome to the Say Something Nice podcast, episode 110, where Ken defends another bad movie. Oh, Lord. No, no let's, let's move forward, though, so we can wrap up. <laughs> we'll be here all day talking about Norbit. Um, and, of course, you know, Danny they got Danny Glover because he asked and they said yes. But they um, they wanted Obababatunde, but he said no. To play Marty, he didn't Probably want to be the movie version. was like, no. <laughs> he says he saw the script. And he's like, they changed it too much. I don't want to do it. Danny Glover's um, solid though. He was yeah. great. I loved him as Marty. Yeah, yeah, he was he was good. Um, they they originally wanted Usher to play CC, but oh, you couldn't commit to the schedule. <laughs> that would have been a little bit better though. Come on. Yeah, he can actually was, sing. He can actually you know, sing. Decent on camera. He wasn't terrible in like movies hey. I hate about you or whatever the hell movie. How, how was he in Hands of Stone? Wasn't he good? Yeah, he was good enough. Yeah, yeah. So they went after Omarion. Oh God, oh, no. And then they went after Andre Three Thousand. Oh, oh no, that's an inspired and choice. <laughs> they but they settled on Keith Robinson. Yeah. They had to keep the budget. The, the, the keyword is settled. <laughs> yeah, because Andre 3000 would have actually, I would have been intrigued by that. I'd, although CeCe's supposed to be Effie's younger brother, so right. that would have been a tough sell, but... <laughs> yeah, because um, he, he's a lot older than um, Jennifer Hudson. Not, uh, I think like a decade older, like 25, 35, I think, um, at the time. Um, and Nikki Rose got her part because she's awesome. Cheryl Leo got her part because she's awesome too. And fine um, as fuck. Yes. Um, 783 women auditioned to play Effie Melody White in this movie. Among the ones who didn't get it were Raven Simone. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking God. of light skin, this. <laughs> the very same Moya Angela who eventually played the part on, on the tour. Who should have gotten the part. <laughs> and somebody who was an early favorite, Fantasia. Oh, no. <laughs> Talk about Swing she, could, she wouldn't have been able to read the script, guys. She can't play herself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Beyonce playing herself, let Fantasia... No, I said uh, Fantasia couldn't play herself. Oh, oh okay, yeah. On the Lifetime movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a scene in the back of a truck in that movie that's particularly tragic? <laughs> I guess Bill okay. Connor was like, hmm. I got one chick who can't read and one who just can't act. Oh, no. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was... To make what, forever. You know what? I, I got my battle. <laughs> so what happened was they couldn't really find somebody they really, truly, 100% wanted. And so they... I mean, I, I feel like I'm shading Jennifer Hudson, but her audition... She shades herself. <laughs> Lord. Oh, my. Well, well I mean, there's no Jennifer... There's no Jennifer Holiday. There isn't another one. That's the problem. Yeah. So, Jim Hudson, her auditions weren't the best because she was nervous. She would have to have experience with acting at all. So, what they did is they coached her through a screen test because they cast Effie's part. Like, they, they were, like, cast her in, like, November, which is they are in her rehearsals and everything. 
And so they cast her really quick and, you know, got her into the movie and had her do, like, extra rehearsal time. You've probably seen, like, the press stuff about um, Diva Boot Camp and all that kind of stuff they put Jennifer Hudson through. Yeah. I mean, Bill Cotton held the fuck out of her hand. Basically, yes. He, he, he should have been up there. That Oscar is half his. <laughs> half? <laughs> half Eddie. Either of there. Yeah, it's Eddie. half Bill Condon and half Eddie. <laughs> and um, yes, but you know, as we all know, they know they got nominated for eight Oscars, and which were Best Picture, Best Director, wow. Best, you know, anything big. <laughs> it did well and, with the Golden Globes, though. It yeah, did. Go- but it go- yeah, the Golden Globes, you know, they they like they got Best Picture, mu- Comedy Musical, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress. Um, at the Oscars, though, of course, you know, Lizzie got nominated for Best Song, but of course, Beyonce didn't get a nomination because um, they only take three nominees and they had four on that list. And so they they determine who, based on how much somebody wrote of the song, who gets on the list. And Beyonce ended up not being on the list. So but can we therefore determine... the award for performing it, though? Because, like, if you sing an Oscar-winning song, you still get the Oscar. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, they just wanted just to have her perform at the show. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. she's the vocalist because it's not a it's not a duet. Right. But yeah, she's the main vocalist. Yeah. That's correct. That is correct. Um, and so, and then, but of course, Jennifer Holliday, um, because she pissed off David Geffen all those years ago, she was not allowed to be a part of the movie in any way, even though she asked. Um, they did not let her come to the premiere. They gave her her own private screening by herself. Wow. Yeah, yeah they tried to saving Mr. Banks, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and then she um, eventually got to sing with Jennifer Hudson at the um, BET Awards the following year. You got to throw in her quote, though, about how she feels about Jennifer Hudson's performance. Oh, yeah. After. She's like, I, something about, like, I want people to know when they see this, it's being copied. I'm like, of course it is. It's a right. musical. Well, her like, a thousand like, people. <laughs> well, her thing was like, so when I when I first when Dreamgirls first was announced, I was about like an, an eleven rage wise. Now I think I'm about an eight. <laughs> like, what did she think was going to happen? They weren't going to make a movie out of it, ever? right? Well, she wanted to be in it. Like that was the same interview I think where she was. You know, I would I would have. She wanted Loretta Devine's part as the jazz singer. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Or no, no, she really said she said I could have played Dina's mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, they could have at least had her there as like Mabel early or something, you know. Yeah, she could have been in it. That was she could have been Jimmy's wife, Mabel early. There you go. Totally. You, you, the lady who played Dina's mom is a dark skinned lady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she actually, because Yvette Carson, she was an understudy for Effie's uh, in the in the '87 Broadway revival too. So she, it could have been Jennifer Holiday. They could have found something for her to do. But do you really think she would have been in that movie without? She would have like, been disrupted as fuck. <laughs> she would have been real. She would have been real like Effie White pushing the microphone away. Totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she would have been the only diva on set, and I'll say that. Yep. Sure. Especially not even just the ones in front of the scenes, but behind. Apparently, like. There's a book, if you guys want to like read more, it's called The Men Who Would Be King, an almost epic tale of moguls, movies, and a company called DreamWorks by Nicole Laporte. There's a chapter on Dreamgirls in that book because of all the shenanigans between DreamWorks and Paramount Pictures who had bought DreamWorks during production of this movie. And the infighting over the marketing, over marketing events, over who was going to take the Oscars home. 
It was like, this is big back and forth between David Geffen and um, Brad Gray, who ran Paramount, over who take credit for the movie. It is an awesome story of white people fighting over black shit. Um, <laughs> and part of the reason people think that the Oscar committee didn't nominate Dream Girls for as much as they thought they would is because people got tired of David Geffen trying to push the movie down their throats oh. during the awards um, yeah, season. They should have gotten, um, what's his name, um, from... Um... Fuck, Miramax. Um, oh. Um, Weinstein, yeah, Harvey Weinstein. Uh, he knows how to do it. Yeah. yeah, and so, I mean, that's the movie. Um, Dreamgirls just opened on in, in London. With um, um, like Amber last Riley. Month. Yep, with Amber Riley. I hear it's great over there. I almost wanted to get a ticket and go. <laughs> I mean, it's coming to Broadway. Is it? It's going to come to Broadway, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's I one of the shows that will be back, yeah. Yeah. Dream girls will never leave you. All you have to do is dream. <laughs> awesome. Oh, yeah. So, Nick, Drew, Reggie, thank you guys so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. I really have strong opinions. And it's <laughs> very nice to be able to let them out. Um, I will say, over my rewatching today, I uh, Beyonce grew on me, actually. I, I, I liked her performance much better this time around. She, like, aged which was nice i think it just in, in fairness i also am much more in love with beyonce than i was the first few times i've seen me so maybe there's a glimmer and she has performed on me but yes fun good times thanks so much for having me her, her performance has a certain quality to it I think it, she's endearing. <laughs> she's endearing. I, I didn't hate her. I thought that she was doing some acting, I w- I'll say. <laughs> some, yes. Uh, <laughs> Lord. All right. Thank you guys so much for um, coming by, stopping by. Of course. If you've enjoyed um, what you've heard out there, you guys can find our show at smpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram under the handle at SM Podcast. You can subscribe using iTunes, Facebook, Google Play, SoundCloud, and or Acast. Um, Nick and Reggie, where can they find What's T Podcast? Reggie? Uh, you can find us at com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, on Twitter, we are at Good Day Saints, and I'm R2, the number two, T H A Edgy, E D G Y. And I'm G O N I C J U. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for you guys for listening. This has been the Say Something Nice podcast. I'm Brandon. This is Kareem. <laughs> this is John. This is Ali. And our two guests, Nicole and Reggie. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. <laughs> the one story I skipped in all the notes is I skipped the the um the talking the, the um underdogs, the producers for the movie who did the music. And how they were asked to make the song sound more modern and more 60s at the same time. Which. How? How? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
he got the Jamie Foxx conundrum, right? Like, because he was trying to do contemporary R&B and those tracks were very overproduced as far as Broadway goes. So he yeah. was in his lane or whatever. And it, But to me, he sounds so out of place because even with all the overseeing that Jennifer did, it was just, he just sounded like, you know, Jamie Foxx. He just tried. Like, he and Beyonce did way too many press tours where they were talking about how they had to undersing for the movie. And it's just like, <laughs> just sing the fucking song, man. It's a musical. It was so I'm hard for me mad. to play Adina because you know, I had to hold back so much. You know, they kept saying, hold back, hold back. Like, either act or don't act. But don't, like, sandbag your shitty vocal performance. Yeah, that's why you need a Nikononi Rose, right? Exactly. Modulation. God bless. <laughs> so I have, I forgot to tell a Dreamgirls theater story on the show. It's a theater story? Yes, um, in the movie theater. So I think I might have told you this one. Um, when I saw uh, Dreamgirls in the theater, one of those times, so seven times I saw it. Um, after the film was over, a um, white man stopped me on the way out the door. It's like that. That was amazing. It was. I was. I was so good. It's like it's like it's like a live Broadway show. And I'm like, uh, thank you. Like, why was he telling me this? Like, I, like I'm associated with the production. In any oh real way. no, you told me this already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you told me this. Like, like I'm. I'm. That shit, yeah, I'm I just thought that was so odd. Yeah. And, now the, and then the yeah, other one... that must have made you feel uncomfortable. The other one... I just saw this meme you sent me of um the, the Belle um, Barbie doll. That is unfortunate. Her head is so big. From Emma Watson. That is very creepy. It's so unfortunate. She's so very creepy. It's like Annabelle. And Emma, Emma Watson is a... And Emma Watson is a beautiful... Yeah. It was like Bro. Annabelle instead of so Belle. So it's just... <laughs> <laughs> she's the just She's the child you don't let the public see. You don't want anybody else to see her. You just keep her in the house. You keep her upstairs in the attic. Exactly. <laughs> and then the other story I had was uh, when I saw it um, in Augusta with the uh, on Christmas Day. Um, when the scene where Jimmy Fox, before she sings, listen, where Jimmy Fox tells, tells Beyonce, it's Dina. You know why I chose you to sing, Lee? Because your voice has no personality. A nigga jumped up out of his seat and said, mm-hmm. that's true, though. That's true, though. He was not talking about oh Nina Jones. He was talking about God. Beyonce. He was talking about Beyonce. <laughs> Did the crowd attack him? This was 06. This was before the BGC had fully formed. So no, the, Oh, really? Because he, he wouldn't have gotten out with his life. No, nah, not anymore. He would have been attacked. He would have been destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. The mob would have taken over him. Yeah, that was there'd a, be nothing left. That was a very active crowd. They were, you know, laughing and cheering and stuff. Like when um This I, is why what I've already said when Black Panther comes out. Gotta go see it in a black movie theater. That's mine. I'm, I'm going ahead, go ahead, y'all, y'all. This segment is sponsored by wait, Apple. Wait, wait a minute, Brandon. It, it, wait a minute. Uh you you can you can chew him out later. I will. <laughs> he comes he, back. You know, he shame. Would have, he would have a conniption fit if this ha- was one of us. I mean, during the Dreamgirls episode, no less. You did not tell a lie. 
and, and walked away. Yes, the Dream Girls episode. You missed the call. Yes, the one he's been scheming on for a while now. I mean, uh, at least a year and a half. Mm-hmm. He took the call. Oh, he's like having a conversation. Oh, he's like doing the angry white businessman who just missed a cab. Yeah. <laughs> 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 John, do you like, like have like a playbook? <laughs> uh, not at all. It's all spur of the moment. It's repression from the not be not being able to say anything <laughs> like this for the past year and a half. But I love when he's gonna go back through to edit this and is gonna listen to it. We always get comments. I don't know what y'all said while I was at while I was, while I was trying to get that taken care of. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'll find out tomorrow. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I mean, I have to wait that late. <laughs> <laughs>